bringing it to your door like the delivery man. from Planet Funk. This is the Ace Dow Podcast, dedicated to all whom the man tried to ace out by profiting from the soul without stopping to give props to the prophets of soul. You got it, that's right. This is Ace Allen, a.k.a. Barack Wayne. And we're brought to you by the letter P. And we're sponsored by Pete, P-E-T-E, otherwise known as People for the Ethical Treatment of Ear Holes. All of us here are Funkin' Fam affiliated. Because funk is spelled fun with a K. That's why it's pronounced funky. What do you think about that, Jay? Yeah, boy. I want to eat some of that popcorn, but, you know, I can't talk with a bunch of popcorn in my mouth. Not just I'll yet. get a dry throat. <laughs> well, that was pretty crazy, Jay Stone. Hey, we man. just had a wild and crazy and fun and insightful and beautiful interview with a man by the name of Richard Segovia, mm-hmm. the mayor of the mission. So everybody listening to this show, I know we have people from all over the country, all over around the world, different age groups. So we're sitting here in a place called the Bay Area. The Bay Area encompasses different places like, say, San Francisco, Oakland, California, Berkeley, you know, these places you may have heard of. Um, In the Bay Area, there are musicians like there are all over the world. And we tend to have a lot of different flavors and come from a lot of different backgrounds and put our fingers in a lot of different pies. So case in point, Jay Stone, I thought a good example of that for the uninitiated would be Neil Sean. Okay. Now you say, why would I mention Neil Sean? Yeah. Well, he's a Bay Area cat. Right. Guitar player, obviously, for Journey. Uh-huh. But before that, he first started out in what band as a teenager? Santana. Uh. And he was in the band Santana. Wow. Then he went and played with Betty Davis. He was in the, uh, the band for her albums, her funk okay. albums, with Larry Graham. And then wound up in being in rock and roll. This is kind of the quintessential example of what a Bay Area musician can do. Okay, I get you. When I was coming up, I was in heavy metal bands. You know, I played heavy metal and hard rock. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people were talking about uh, Brother P who passed away uh, from the reggae scene. And a lot of our cats in Funkonauts and Funkadelic and Funksters, they like the reggae too. Yeah. that brings us to the mayor of the mission, uh, Richard Segovia. He is the mayor of a legendary San Francisco neighborhood, Jay Stone, known as the Mission District. Yes. And he told us that the Mission District is to Latin rock what Detroit is to Motown. And in fact, I call him the mayor of the mission, Richard Segovia. Because he was, in fact, uh, given his own day. September 17th is Richard Segovia Day in San Francisco. Yep. Uh, Richard is a timbali player, and he's celebrating his 42nd year with his band Puro Bandito. Um, I love Puro Bandito's album, We Don't Need No Stinking Badges. You recognize that line from Blading Saddles. 
Um, the mayor's mansion. Where does the mayor of the mission live? Well, he lives in the house known as Casa Bandido, or also called the Latin Rock House. It's in the Mission District in San Francisco. It's an official landmark. It's on York at 25th. And if you see this, uh, it's just got this beautiful, vibrant mural, Jay Stone, mm-hmm. of Latin rock artists. It's just covered with different artists, um, including, but not limited to, Carlos Santana, of course, members of the band Malo, uh, Malo, I'm sorry, uh, with the, remember they had the song Suavecito? Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like uh, it's like the theme song of the Mission District, oh, the national yeah. anthem, you Big know. Time. And also Jorge Santana is on there. Uh, the mural was painted several years ago, uh, thanks to the Urban Youth Art Program, and it's a project by the Presida Eyes Muralist Association under a grant given by the California Arts Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Segovia's uncle. It's Michael V. Rios, J. Stone. Incredible. Uh, renowned album cover artist for all those Santana albums. And in fact, uh, Richard told us that the cover for Supernatural, the big Grammy-winning album for Santana, was built in his house. Mm. Um, throughout the years, in the group uh, Por Vida, Mobuhai, and then Puro Bandido, Richard Segovia has shared the stage with Graham Central Station, Stevie Wonder, Eddie Kendricks, The Barquets, <laughs> Minnie Ripperton, Isaac Hayes, Eddie Palmieri, Tower of Power, Willie Colon, and Hector Laveau. Wow. He used to be the ho- in the house band uh, for Don Cornelius Soul Train Club on Broadway. Man, that's, so, that's heavy. That's heavy. He also was a member of Eddie Money's band. Eddie Money, you know, Two Tickets to Paradise, yeah. Take Me Home Tonight. Uh, Richard Segovia was in his band. Fair. Richard Segovia was well-loved and respected by guys like Bill Graham. Mm-hmm. And he's just um, a staple, a staple of the mission. He yeah. came here with his wife, Tammy. They sat across from us on the couch over there. And it's just a great episode to listen to, guys. You guys are going to find out a lot about Latin rock about Bay Area music history and how it connects to the funk. Yep. And uh, Jay, you actually got us this guest. How did yeah. you come across that? You and your wife, Tina, or how do you know Richard? Uh, been to parties I know Richard. I've been to his parties at his house, but he's a, we have a mutual friend named Leslie Lewis, who is a concert promoter, stage guy. And... Um, he, you might know him from the MC Hammer video, the one about praying. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, he's yeah. He's the one that's dealing dice or whatever, the big dude. And uh, Leslie uh, was a stage manager, dude. And that's how I met. That's how I met him with Richard because he put us on the gigs in East Oakland at the park, and we opened up for okay. Ohio players right. and can function like Richard wow. was saying. And wow. uh, that's how we know Gabby Wilson, the little girl, her. And uh, like, I remember, when, you know, she used to go up there and play Alicia Keys on the piano and mm-hmm. shit. And, uh, it's pretty incredible to see how she is now and turned out. Wow, Gabby know. Wilson, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having him on. I know he was talking about he's also going to have a big event here um, on October 16th of 2021. Yeah. Hopefully we'll all be out there playing again, you know, no more no shutdown. Doubt. He's going to do an, an unveiling of some additions to the mural, including members of uh, the uh, 
Sheila E's family, the Escovitos, mm-hmm. uh, and on that same day to do a concert. So it sounds just incredible. Yeah. So we're going to get to it right away. Just hang on to your hats, y'all. You know, Jay Stone, our previous episode with Steve Boyd, it was our most popular episode yet. Wow. We had the most amount of people checking us out. That's Steve Boyd from the P-Funk All-Stars, the singer that you've probably seen sing with George Clinton. Have you ever watched a George Clinton show over the course of the past 30 years or so? Yeah. It was a great episode. Please go back and listen to that. Matter of fact, try to catch up with all the episodes you've been missing lately because we interviewed uh, Wayne Foote from Slave, Shirley Hayden from Parlette and the P-Funk. After that, we talked to Sweet LD from uh, Texas, and she was in Oaktown 37 and the original MC Hammer yeah. uh, posse. By the way, Sweet LD, shout out to you. Remember, she's in Texas. You remember what just happened in oh, Texas? Man. They had uh, the snowstorm that shut down all the power. Yeah. She was one of the people without power out oh, there man. in the cold Jeez. and i did see she finally put an instagram uh message out okay. saying that she's cool and she got the power back on you know she's out there with her fam yeah so one love to sweet ld to hear that warm again imagine that snow in texas who would have thought no, man. oh also want to give a shout out to uh steven you the artist who did some uh original art kind of album cover art album poster art for our episode that's episode 17 of aced out podcast also jay stone uh rick gardner has a new album out you know uh, rick gardner from the horny horns who yeah. was on episode nine of aced out podcast yeah I'm trying to get people to binge listen to jay stone. i'm rick <laughs> <laughs> i'm rick um rick gardner has a new album it's called the road trip wow and it's really cool i listened to it sounds like he's got some live bass on there too nice. it's really funky uh so shout out to rick gardner Get your binge listens on for Aced Out Podcast. We're yeah. having so much fun doing this show. It's been such a great year doing this show. We're back here in Soul Graffiti Studios, putting graffiti on your soul. Hopefully I don't get a parking ticket this time, Jay Stone. Nah. <laughs> Last time they got us. real, And we saw him put it on, too. We were sitting we saw it right out the window. We're here with Dominic Brown behind the board. He's there with his buddy Anthony. We we'll also want to shout out Justin Anchetta. Thank you very much, Justin. And Alex Scammon there. Uh, also want to thank Nick Ways for editing our little commercial for this episode. I'm trying to get into the grill marketing there, Jay Stone. Word. Uh, also special thanks to Scott Shepard as always. Um, Debbie JJ taking our pictures. Hoping yep, she didn't yep. get up too many nostril hairs. I'm not sure if I shaved those today. <laughs> and uh, filming us and filming our commercial for us. She's doing it well. Try not to distract us with her chatty, crazy clothes. It's not working very well. You like that? She's got the skunk shirt on. What is that shirt? Right. The, She's got a... The fart <laughs> fart squirrel. squirrel. How dare you? So unprofessional. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's tight. Um, above all, I want to thank Three Chards. Three Chards, my sister-in-law, who does the whole website for us and our art, and is basically in charge of the whole damn shebang. And this is an Isaac Bradbury production. Don't forget to get yourself a copy of the Bible. Not that Bible, this Bible. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth by the Funkinots J. Stone. No Where way. can you get that? You could get it on Amazon, uh, wherever music is sold. Wherever basically. music is sold, yes. basically. Please. Jay Stone, I got a. I want to shout out our listeners. Um, I got this really cool handy dandy app on my phone. Okay. I showed it to you before. Yeah, uh, 007 over there. Yeah, yeah, that three charts gave me. 
Um, and I can track our listeners. I can see who, not, you know, don't worry, you guys. I'm not spying on you. Just, <laughs> I'm just seeing the general location of where our listeners are. So, for That's example, great. I look at this little uh, thing here, and I could see, let's see. Uh, somebody listened to the Wayne Foot episode in San Francisco, California earlier today. Wow. And before that, somebody in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, mm. listened to Aced Out Podcast. Looks That's like they're dope. checking out the homepage. Uh, before that, somebody in Texas was listening to Rick Gardner. And on and on, you know what I mean? So wow. I, could, I could track our listeners. Our, we're, this, besides the United States, the second most popular country right now for Ace Out Podcasts for some reason is Ireland. Wow. So top of the morning to you guys, right on. Some reason people in Ireland are feeling this. Would you have guessed that? I would never have guessed Ireland. And I would one, like to go to Ireland. I know, me too. And one I would guess, but I was surpri- pleasantly surprised by Senegal. People wow. in Senegal are listening to this. Listening I heard to that. us right now. We're sitting in, in Oakland, California right now. Somebody in Senegal is checking it out. Yeah. We love you guys. Cheers. Young listeners, cheers. Put a shrimp on the Barbie. Come pie. I'm trying to think all that. No, that's just we we monsieur. All that Say stuff. Say la vie. Hey. All right. And nanu nanu for all you Mork from Work fans. You guys, you can listen to A Style Podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast. There's a spot called Tune In, which we're on. Yeah. But you know where you really want to listen to us. The most popular place to check out our website. Where's that, Jay Stone? Acedoutpodcast.com. Okay, I had trouble spelling that before. Let's see if I can spell it again. A-C-E-X-P-V. Oh, wait, I messed up again. <laughs> Let me try it again. Q-R-S-T. Wait. Hold on, hold on. A C E D O U T. P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. How yeah. dare you feel me making those mistakes, Debbie? What are you, you doing? Was the, you was in the beat right there. Don't you, you got do it. that. <laughs> you know what, you guys? Um, people like to check out our website there because I write a nice little article about the guests. We share a lot of pictures and memorabilia. Okay, I quit. Maybe I should eat popcorn. Stuff and things. Yeah, stuff, okay? Stuff. I was trying to be fancy, but it's just stuff. All right, and we got that on the website as well and all kinds of other goodies. Um, All right. I think I've blown my stack. I think we should just get to the episode. You know, uh, Puro Bandito, that's the band that I really love that Richard plays in. He plays timbales in that band. The first song from that album, Corazon. I love that song. Let's listen to a little bit of Cortisone. And we'll check out what's going on with Richard next. What do you think? Yes, sir. All right. Let's do it.
already, J-Stone. I feel like we already did a show. Right? <laughs> He's getting started. Oh, He's yeah. He's finally here, Richard Segovia. He shot out of a cannon. He's ready to talk to us. It's so glad to have you. He's here with his lovely wife, Tammy. Yes. They insist that they've been getting along beautifully this past year with the uh, quarantine. <laughs> yeah, man. That's the story they're going with. How are you doing, Richard? Oh, man, man, I'm blessed. All I can say is I'm blessed. First of all, to be 68 years old and sitting with you right now, I'm having to lose as many people as I have this year. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm truly blessed to be alive because I know the power of above has got his hand over my head and my family, yeah. my wife, and my children. Yeah, right man. on, man. Yeah, That's amazing. beautiful. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we got you here. You're the mayor of the mission. We're going to talk to you about your life, talk to you about your career. But first things first, I just wanted to set the table with talking about your casa, the Casa Bandido. Tell me about that. So this is like a, a official San Francisco landmark. Landmark, yes. It's yes. on York and 25th. 25th and York in the Mission District. And it's um, covered with this beautiful, vibrant mural of uh, all Latin rock artists. Right? That's right. You How know, did this come to be? Well, what happened was uh, back in 2016, a good friend of mine, Ismael Fersosa, who was the original keyboard player mm. in the fabulous Malibus that turned into Malo. Malo, mm -hmm. yeah. I went to his house one day. They knew him back then as Irish. If you say, hey, Ismael, they, who? You got to say Irish. Oh, yeah, I remember Irish, the keyboard player with all the hair. Yeah. <laughs> so one day I went to his house, and he had a picture of the fabulous Malibus. And then he had another picture next to it when they transitioned from the Malibus to Malo. Uh -huh. And that's when Chris Wong was their manager. And I asked him, can I take these pictures home and make copies so I can put them in my front room? Yeah. So I put them there, and I left them on the wall with everything else. So in 2000. Uh, late 16, early 17, I was uh, I was uh, brought in attention by the uh, Presida Eyes and the people saying that the California Art Commission mm -hmm. had offered a grant for the house. They wanted to do my whole house as a mural. So, wait, hold on. So, who's Presida Eyes? That's Presida the Presida Eyes Muralist Association? Yeah, yeah. What's that? That's a, it's, a, it's a nonprofit organization in the Mission District on 24th Street that does all the murals in the Mission District. Uh -huh. Basically, they get grants. They find places in all the youth and the community okay. and all the kids get together. Nice. I mean, I had people working on my mural from the ages of five years old all the way up to 30s and 40s. Oh, wow. And so they came up to me and they asked me, but they said, Mr. Segovia, um, we want to let you know whatever you want on the mural, well, we want you to come up with a theme for the mural. And right away, I took a look at those two pictures that I, Ismael gave me, Irish, uh -huh. and I thought, Latin rock mm -hmm. created in the Mission District. Yeah. I've been a Latin rock player for 52 years. Yeah. You know, and I dedicate <laughs> the sense. mural to Carlos Santana for bringing Latin rock music to the Mission District. Yeah. When you think of Motown, you think of Detroit. Yeah. When you think of Latin rock, it's right there in the Mission. And because of all the things that are going on in my neighborhood, by people moving out, these people are coming in. You know, you buy a house for $23,000, you bought it when you were a kid, and somebody comes up and goes, hey, I'll give you $2.5 million. Right. They're gone. Yeah. So I wanted to build, so I ended up going around, calling all my friends, Raul Rico from San, everybody that I could think of, Armando Parasa, mm -hmm. Jorge Santana, and what Jorge I did, Santana. yeah, Carlos, mm -hmm. Carl Perazzo, everybody that you can think of, all my friends that grew up in the Mission District when we went from the Battle of the Varios to the Battle of the Bands, you know, the fighting went away, yeah. so we went and did it, hey, toe up, put a band together, let's go at it, we'll have a Battle of the Bands, when it takes off, so the fighting's stopped in the Mission District, right. so I decided to preserve what we have left, mm -hmm. because all the, you know, techies coming into the neighborhood, buying up all their stuff, and I wanted the neighborhood to know I ain't going nowhere, man. I'm sticking here. I'm going to die here. My mom and dad bought this house back in 1963. Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere. We don't That's need another coffee man. shop. Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't want to turn to another Starbucks, right, man? That's no. so beautiful. And by the way, um, so your uncle is Michael V. Rios? Michael Rios. Yeah. Michael v, v stands for Ventura. Mm. Uh, Michael Rios, yes. Um, he's the, the artist. All the art for uh, all he, that uh, Santana right. covers. So what ended up happening, see, back in 1993, I moved out of my house and I moved Michael into my home and I went to work for a friend of mine in 1992, hit the lottery for $33.5 million. Ooh. And one day I brought over some Michael Rios' artwork and he fell in love with it. And what he was trying to do, he was he had $33 million and he could not believe that I knew Carlos Santana. He says, you know, I had $33 million and I tried to put a concert on to save the homeless in, the, in Santa Clara County and he wouldn't give me a time of day. And I got $33 million. You're going to tell me that you can... Yeah, no, he, he thought it was funny. Yeah. Right? So right. what I did, I got a hold of my deal. He made me a couple of T-shirts. And what we did, he showed him the T-shirts. Next thing you know, I moved out of my house. Michael started a T-shirt company called Heaven Smiles in 1993. Heaven Smiles, yeah. And what it was, it was a collaboration of Michael Reels, Carlos Santana, and Dennis Sanfilippo. So Dennis's job was to give him a place to live, buy all his art material, take care of him. Yeah. And what Carlos's job was to go to the Miles Davis, to John Coltrane, to Jimi Hendrix, um, uh, Bob Marley, Bunny Whaler, John Lee Hooker, and all these other people, Miles, Dick, John Coltrane, and get their endorsements so we can make T-shirts. Mm. And that's what started this whole T-shirt thing. So next thing you know, because of this... Al Hendricks was coming to the house. Ooh, Al Hendricks. Al Hendricks was coming to the house. Steam Woodwind was coming to the house. Wow. Ooh. People from the Rolling Stones was coming to the house. Eminem race car, NASCAR was coming to the house. We started, uh, the Latin Grammy Awards started coming through. Amazing. Um, and it goes on. You know, and it goes on. We started, and then next thing you know, at the Bill Graham, at the, when Bill Graham, uh, at the uh, Shoreline Amphitheater, the Wizard and all that stuff, uh -huh. that's all our artwork. Oh, so we started yeah. doing all the artwork. Next thing you know, Carlos called up Michael. We started doing guitars for Paul Reed Smith. We started doing all his clothing. And then after that, we started doing all the backdrops. Right. We did the Supernatural. We did Embrace Your Absoluteness. We did Sacred Fire. Wow. We did uh, Dance of the Rainbow Serpent. And the and the biggest one of all, I can, what I'm very proud of, is giving me chills right now, uh -huh. is to say on the corner of 25th in York, Supernatural album cover was designed. Wow. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. So you said the, the album cover was built in your... Uh, it was built in the garage. What does that mean, it was built? Well... Michael did all the artwork. See, mm -hmm. what ended up happening is we end up, Michael, when I went to move back home, Michael didn't want to leave. Okay. And then Michael told me that the house was next door, was for sale. Uh-huh. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll get my lottery buddy to buy it. He'll never do it. Guess what happened? He bought it. Uh -huh. I moved Michael next door. So now we're controlling the corner. What? Right? What, what? The yeah. house to this side? Yeah, right there. You come up the stairs. Michael moved right next door. What? Under one condition, sucker. I can play all the music I want. You better not complain. <laughs> so then next thing you know, Carlos was in the house, and we were coming over. I was sitting down with him, and, and next thing you know, we started, we started. Michael started doing the Supernatural album cover. Wow. And that was the first album in history that the artwork was, the, the artwork because of the artwork, the the music was written behind the songs that were written were behind the artwork. Mm. You look on the uh, on the oh, supernatural, uh -huh. Maria Maria, mm -hmm. put your lights on, trance, mm -hmm. all that stuff and everything that was done smooth, all that is in that artwork. And if you look at the artwork, if you really look at it, it says before they even collaborated with all these people, the artwork was named Mumbo Jumbo. What's Mumbo Jumbo mean? 
Mumbo jumbo means a bunch of different musicians yeah. coll collaborating together, right? So that's what it's about. So before Clyde Davis was doing this, the album cover was already mumbo jumbo. So we think about it. What is it? What is supernatural? A bunch of different musicians getting together. Look at that. Listen to all the different pages. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. That album's huge. Marie, yeah. So we, yeah. so because of Carlos Santana, they created a new category of music, which was called Diamond Category. Mm. What that is? Yeah, we know that. The it's ten, sales. Yeah. ten platinum albums yep. together. That's what Carlos. Ten platinum. And I remember sitting in my house and listening to Carlos play these songs before they even cut, before there was even vocals. That's wow. amazing. And, you know, and that's so what ended up happening because of Michael living in my house and the house next door, it became a piece of history, man. That's amazing, Kyle. Yeah, you is. got so much history going on. Let me ask you something, Richard. I want to I want to try to capture what's what's the moment because when I, I've been doing my research, I'm trying to find it. You said that. Um, Music created peace in the mission. Right. So, like, what's the moment when everybody's, when there's no peace and then everybody's getting into music? Like, um, well, what sparked that? Carlos Santana, mm -hmm. Malo, Malo, the, alien, the aliens. <laughs> That's what started it. The aliens? The aliens. They were the band before Carlos. Okay. When Carlos was a Santana blues band. The aliens. See, let me tell you something. The aliens were a band. They were the first kind of Latin rock rock band. Yeah. Carlos really? Carlos went one night. He was still Santana Blues man, and he was doing blues. Okay. He went to this club called the Nightlife, right, which was located on San Bruno Avenue, uh -huh. Outer Mission, and it was, he went to see a band called the Aliens. And he sat in the crowd and he grabbed Jose Chepito Arreas. He was playing trumpet. It was Chepito that brought percussion into Santana. So mm. it's not the Carlos. Uh -huh. right. Chepito brought the conga, the timbale, and added that to blues, changed the whole thing. Right. So, you know, it's Carlos's music. He created, but it was Chepito that really made the difference. Yeah. So when that happened, and they came out, you got to change your evil ways. You know, everybody, Oye Como Va. Yeah. You got to remember, Oye Como Va. Tito Puente. Evil Ways, Willy Bobo. Uh-huh, right. These songs were cover tunes. Yeah. Right. So once he did that, <coughs> we started, bands started, you know, Mike age. Because mm -hmm. Carlos is about 73 or 74 years old now, somewhere around that age. Mm -hmm. He, everybody wanted to play music after that. Right. So what, right. Are, what were That's we what learning? That's what get to, yeah. What were we what were we learning? Yeah. Santana. Got it. Malo. Azteca. Sapo. Azteca, uh -huh. great. El Chicano. Yeah. We were doing that. Yeah. We were, that's that was our top forty. That's how that's how we learned to play music because back in the day there wasn't what they have today. Mm -hmm. Get the reel to reel, get the record, or not even the record, get the eight track. Right. Or the quadraphonic. Right. Learn the song. 
You don't learn it? Go see Santana. Watch what he's doing. Nobody gave up any information back then. Uh-huh. And either <laughs> okay. you had it or you didn't. Gotcha. Okay. You know, nobody's going to teach you shit. Right. Uh-huh. You had to learn it on your own because nobody's going to, you know, because we're, hey, you, you, that's right. We had a battle yeah. here, bro. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that. I, we still experience that today. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, <laughs> the thing is, is that's what it was about back then. Yeah. yeah. That's why when I went into, when I went to that recording in Texas, the lady said, Man, you learned that salsa tune in 15 minutes and knocked it out. How did you do that? I said, well, you don't understand. Back in the day when Armando Parasa would come in my house and he went, you had to pick it up right then. He was never going to show it to you again. If you didn't get it the first time. They don't have time for that. Oh, hell no. So the same thing with recording. If you didn't get it right away, next. Yep. I mean, you had to be. Get somebody else to do it then. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's where the old school I come from. See? All I need to do is listen to certain elements of a song, the verse, the intro, and what they're saying, and I know where to go. Because if you listen to li- the lyrics, it'll tell you, man. Mm-hmm. Just listen to what they're saying. Yeah. And that'll uh, yeah. tell you. Wait, uh, wait take yeah. it to the Brit, you know? Right. One time. You right. know, right? Two time. Right? Like, come on. Just, you know what's right, man? That's right. Can we get funky? Okay, let's get funky, right? Yeah. There you go. You, you call know? it out. I mean, you know, all the years with Lester Chambers. Come on. I met him when I was 12 years old, man. Mm-hmm. Let's get funky. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Get it on. So, was your first in- instrument was it drums before timbales? Yeah, yeah. My first instrument was timbales. So you started on timbales because they told you you have to play timbales to join right. the band, right? right. I think right. that's the story, right? Yeah, what happened? Just like you, right? You, did you guys, when you both started playing music, is because you wanted to play guitar or you wanted to play bass, or? Well, no. Well, for me, like they didn't have a bass player. Oh, you was mine was the opposite. What happened was I went to my friends. He bought this little bar, and the guitar player and the bass player were there, and I sat behind the drums. And I said, "Oh, I got this, man. You yeah, sixty nine. I got this, man. You know." Oh, that's why I thought the drums. Yeah. Okay, yeah so, okay. so then the next day I show up and they say, "Hey, man. Uh, sorry, man. We got a drummer." <laughs> so I look to the left and there's a set of congas there. Yeah. And then, yeah, man, uh, man, yeah, good conga. <laughs> so I come back the next day, man, and they said, "Sorry, man, we got a conga player." So you know, I, t- I you know, I don't want to say it, but I just told him where to go. Yeah. And I left. Yeah. Next day, I get a phone call, and I and the door, I knock on my door, and phone call, and I tell him I'm not here. Uh-huh. So he shows up at my house, he knocks on my door, he comes in, and says, "Hey, man, we want you to join the band." I go, "Wait a minute, you got a drummer and a conga player? If you want to join the band, you got to play timbales." Timbales? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, I'll take you to the store and buy you some. So I went to the store and bought a set of timbales, and little did I know that I would be, this timbali would be That's my it. whole life. Yeah. Wow. You wow. know, so it wasn't because I, that was the only way in the band. Right, right. But once I started playing, you know, it was about the feel. Yeah. It's not what you know up here. It's just like if you listen to some of the old Hendrix stuff. I mean, look how many microphones they had. Capturing yep. the moment. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You have to have that moment. Yep. See, and that's what I. The moment is what you want to. You want to attract. Mm-hmm. You know, and be able to capture a moment. Because you remember back then when they have a little eight track. Right. And listen to what they were doing. How many mics on the drums? Right. You know. Oh, so, I know. You know, I same. That. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You know, exactly so that's how I became a timbalero. You know, and next thing you know, I learned congas along the way, and and it's because of that, God has been good to me, and I've been all over the world, and I'm still here. At 68 years old, being able to talk about it, you know. Life. I love it, man. I want to listen to another song from uh, Puro Bandido. Uh, you're celebrating your 42nd year in the band. 42nd year, man. Who's currently in the band? Johnny now? Gunn has been with me since 1985. Johnny. Johnny Gunn, my guitar, my conga player, has been with me since 19. Well, he's been with me now almost 20 years. 
My oh. keyboard player has been with me almost 25. Um, and that's Steve Salinas on keyboards who plays with Lydia Pence and Cold Blood. Ron, wow. Ron Messina, you know, he's been with me. I've been playing with Ronnie since the 70s, though. You know, I brought him up in the ranks to where I thought, okay, you're ready, kid. Mm-hmm. So and he's been with me now, I would say, since about 90, 95, 96. And, and he's been with me a while. Steve, 25 years, you know. And then I have... Um, um, I also have my drummer now, who's Billy Shoes Johnson, who's, you know, he's played with Patti LaBelle, oh, Carlos yeah. Santana, oh, Frankie Blue Beverly, Shoes. and Mace. He's been yeah. with me now almost 11 years. Nice. And nice. Uh, then I have another guy, Ron Estrada, who's a guitar player also. It's been with me, oh, about the same, about 10, 11 years now. And, you know, he's uh, he's like my hired gun. You know, he's there for me all the way, and he's easy to work with, yeah. and I love him. And uh, now we just, uh, and then my horn section, Michael Pelequin, he's a, he's a, what we call him 50. He's been with me since 1985, mm. 86, you know, and then I have the horn section, you know, mm-hmm. I got um, a Rick Brown. He's been with me now. I know, Rick. You know, Rick, and the thing is with the horns, they always change around because, you yep. know, I've, yep. I've used Tom Pull, you yeah. know, I've used Mike Renta yeah. and whoever's available, you know, Frankie Bailey, mm. you know, I use uh, Rob Zuckerman from Cold Blood. I use also uh, Rich Armstrong. So, you know, whatever's, uh, Doug Beavers who played with Eddie Palmetti. Mm-hmm. So I have all these great. I'm blessed to have all these great people on yeah. board. And most of all, I just uh, recruited a great bass player who's with his name is Eric McCann, who's been with yeah, Freaky yeah. Executives. Oh, he's yeah. been with he's been with uh, Automatic Man. He's also played with Al Demiola. Mm-hmm. And he's Demiola. also been he's also working with the Cindy Blackman band yeah. with Carlos yeah. Santana. Yeah. So, you know, I've been pretty blessed and to be able to keep a band together that long. I mean, yeah. you know, you have to be true. Yeah, you see, so you can't rip off your musicians, man. No, and I rather, you know, you got to be true. If you can't be true to yourself, you can't be true to others. Mm-hmm. So I've been really good with my musicians, making sure they always got paid, make sure they got taken care of, fed them, give them the world. That's right. You know, and I wasn't ever worried about making money. If I had to use my money to play my musicians and to pay them, even though they were getting paid good, to do a little extra for them, it's my band, man. <laughs> What's what? What? You yeah. think I'm gonna sweat four or five hundred dollars right, right now? Yeah. I want to make sure that when we go out there, man, we hit hard, bro. It's yeah. good for morale. And, you know, and you, know, I, we, you know, we got about 600 years of experience on that stage, man. No doubt. You know, and imagine all the different universes with each player. Yeah. yeah. All the lives that they're living, each of them one different universe. And to take 10 universes and put them as one big one. Mash them up. Man, it's, 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 it's a, <laughs> a blessing, you know. Let's take a trip to that universe right now with One Step Forward, also from the We Don't Need No Stinking Badges album, Puro Bandito. <laughs> One step (laughs) forward. (laughs) Yeah, listen to that. Nice. Uh-huh. Three steps back, 
record this one at your house okay no this one right here i'm gonna let you know about this recording a lot of the recordings on the re- on there were done was produced by fred catero fred catero fred catero produced one. That, this one right here was recorded at cbs this was recorded at berkeley at fantasy records mm-hmm. nice did fred catero do like yeah, bob dylan he, no he did this pointer sisters pointer he did sisters. some of the greatest people on yeah, the planet yeah. he yeah. did our older stuff but this stuff right here was steve fontano you know steve he got a Grammy Award for being a Santana on the Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Fontana yeah. on there. Okay. Nice. And that was recorded in 2002, I think, at Fantasy Records. We did Corazon and One Step Forward there. And a special guest on that on the drums right there, I don't know if you know of a man called Donnie, Donnie Baldwin. No. Donnie Baldwin was the drummer for the Jefferson Starship. Uh-huh. We built the city on rock and roll. Right, he also right. pulled. He played. I fooled and fell in love with Elvin Bishop. Well, I love that song. He's also played with uh, Pablo Cruz. Wow! And he's played with Lydia Penson, Coldblood, and Eddie Money. And I had the opportunity to play many, many years with Donnie Baldwin. Nice. And um, the most important part of this whole thing about Bandito, we had a, a our, the original Bandito mm-hmm. was a friend of mine. His name was Jose Mayorga. And he dressed up. But when we would go out and play, he would wear the big baggy pants, shadow pants, and looked. He looked like he'd be hanging out with Steve, with, with you know, with Errol Smith and these kind of guys. Okay. And, and in 1997, he was in a tragedy accident and passed away. And we started putting this band together back in 19 was 1979. So the thing about it, everybody in the band loved Jose, the bandido, that we wanted to keep his legacy alive. So we kept the band together all for him. Nice. You know, we lost him at yeah, a young age, and uh, after that, man, you know, I became the bandido. I, I, you know, I, you know, he was the good-looking guy, and I was the one putting the band together. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And but the thing was, I wanted to keep his dream alive. You That's know, and beautiful. God bless his soul, Jose. We yeah. just recently lost a bandmate as well, just a few months ago, so yeah. we can relate to that. Let me. So let's go through the career then. So is your first. Um, like band, band, that's Por Vida, right? No, the very first band I played in was called Dungeon Sounds. Okay. Like oh, right, Dungeon, Dungeon Sounds. Sounds. You told yeah, me that. and it yeah. lasted a couple of years, right? And, back, and that was from 1969 to summer 69 to like 70, 69, 70, maybe like 71. Mm-hmm. And where would you be playing? Uh, well, you know, we did like the little clubs on Mission Street. There was a club called the Shy Fox. Okay. And there was, little, and there was a place called the Squeeze Inn. We paid the band got paid hundred and twenty dollars, so that was that was that was twenty dollars each, and everybody got two or three screwdrivers. You okay. know the drink, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was the pay back then. But back then, man, you can buy a pair of tim- a dozen Timbali sticks for a dollar. Right. You know, gas was really cheap, so that to me that was good money. Makes sense, yeah. And we did like you know little quinceañeras and weddings uh-huh. and stuff like that. We yeah. did a lot of stuff like that back in the day. Cool. And then. The same thing happened, man. The the bass player that got me in the band died. He got he died of an overdose. Mm. So when the mm. band when he died of an overdose, the rest of the band, except for the keyboard player, dissolved. They all quit playing. Not me, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. I kept going, man. And then I went into the band in 1970. After that, I went into a band called. Por vida. Por vida. And basically, we were just kind of like the same. We were doing the same thing yeah. that we were doing with Dungeon Sounds, you know, playing, uh-huh. put the lime in the coconut, you know, uh, right. Evil Way, <laughs> Sabor a Mi, Oye Como Va, Nena Suavecito, uh-huh. you know, 
all those songs that were, you know, hey, yeah, have yeah. you ever heard, you know, living on the outside, you know, what's that one? Uh-huh. Uh, by Bread. Right. I want to make it with you. You know, just <laughs> yeah. stuff like that okay. we were doing. And that band started getting gigs, you know, and we started getting pretty good Port Vida. Is that, that the gig that you used to work with uh, GCS, Graham Central Station? No, that what happened was, this is what happened was, after that, I was playing at this club. I don't know if many people remember it. It was on in El Camino in Redwood City. It was called the Bandstand. Mm-hmm. I've heard it, of that before. It was a, everybody played there. It was kind of, you know. So back in the day, we had the Squeeze In. We had the Shy Fox. We had the Nightlife. We had uh, clubs on Broadway, the Tropical Club. We had certain clubs, you know, mm-hmm. that we could get in because we were still young. We weren't 21 yet. Yeah. Right. And there was clubs in, right. in Redwood City like the Bandstand, the Three of Cups. So one day we were playing at the Three of Cups and this Filipino cat comes walking in. And back then, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything about music. I didn't know cha-cha, mambo. I just played what I felt. I know he comes walking. He goes, hands me his card. Hey, man, I'm looking for a Timbali player. I'd like you to come and join, check out my band. I go, I'll call you tomorrow morning. I'm, I'll call you tomorrow. He said, sure, give him a call. So I give him a call, and he invites me to his house. We go up Mansell Street. He's got this killer studio. This drummer man has got this big old clear drum set. I mean, <laughs> and I was just like, what? So. He says, I want you to join the band because I, what I found out is Nerio de Gracio was the timbali player in Mabuhai. Uh-huh. He left Mabuhai to go play with Malo. And Fred was like mad because right? he left him. So he had me and joined the band. And then I said, well, what are we playing? He says, here. And he hands me a reel-to-reel machine with 10 songs on it. Yeah. And he goes, learn it. <laughs> Uh, Man, and let me tell you, these guys are way over my head. I mean, I little did I know that Fred was the original bass player from the band Dakila, right? Who was signed by Epic Records in 1972 by Clyde Davis, uh, and wow. he had left Dakila because his brother was handicapped. He crippled, got tunnel vision, can barely stand. And back then, they said, this guy, get him out, and he can play. This kid was bad. Wow. But back then days, man, they were so racist and prejudiced. You used to see some of the stuff that they say on the radio. It was Mm. crazy, man. Right now, major lawsuit. Mm. So I got in the band. Tim Conga player. Same cat, Dakila. Yeah, but they were called Mabuhai. Okay. So Fred started a band. He got this guy, Jory. He got the David Harper and all these guys were major, and they bought a house on top of the hill. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we were practicing five days a week, 12 to 4, break, wow. playing until 10. Every Love day, it. five days a week. Love it. Tim Bali player, Conga player didn't want to play with me because I didn't know shit. Uh-huh. But I kept driving. I kept driving. So what ended up happening is that since the, the, he was a heroin addict, uh-huh. He would never hire anybody else. So what I had to learn, I didn't know that I was doing this. I was playing my right hand and writing stuff with my left hand to fill in the parts. So when I play my timbales, it's like two people are playing. Uh-huh. So I end up writing, not even knowing it, patterns uh-huh. that are not even in the book. Okay. So nice. I got in that band. Next thing you know, we started getting gigs. I'm mm-hmm. talking about Big gig, yeah. man. Next thing you know, he gets a call. He gets a call. You know, we're doing all the clubs on Broadway. We started opening up the Orphanage Club for Cal Jader. Yeah. We started doing uh, the Peppermint Tree, the Village, uh, uh, Basin Street West, mm. and Mr. D's. So Mr. D- so we get a call from Larry Graham, Graham Central Station. Yeah. Larry calls up Fred, who were really good friends. He says, hey, man, would you like to come down to, I'm doing a big show at the, Bandstand in Redwood City. We need an opening act, Fred. Can you come and play? Yeah. Fred says, no problem. Little did we know 
because <laughs> Fred didn't tell us that we were there in front of CBS, Warner Brothers. Oh, everybody you can think of in the industry. I was wow. a young kid. Who? What the hell did I know, man? I'm yeah. coming off the streets. I don't even. I'm still trying to figure out what a mambo is. Right. Or right. oh, while I'm gone, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> Play the song and I'll do it. Right. Clyde Davis, everybody out there. Wow. Larry gets signed by Warner Brothers. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're at the studio the next day. Comes this white, this white dude, he's a Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. Holes in his pants, no f- shoes. Yellow teeth, holes in his pants. He says, hi, I really like your band. My name is Brent Dangerfield. Brent Dangerfield. I, okay. Little did I know that he produced Santana's very first record. Mm-hmm. He worked with Big Brother and the Holding Company. He is like the baddest sucker in the yeah. planet. Now I'm sitting in the back watching all this stuff unfold because Fred didn't have a car. I had the 63 Studebaker. I had the bomb. Yeah. So I'm driving him everywhere, right? And I'm learning how, little did I know I was learning how to be a leader. Yeah. Preparing for where I am today. He goes, get in the car. So I pull my Studebaker. I had this killer Studebaker, bro, man. It was bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I get Fred in the car. I go up to Brent Dangerfield's house to pick him up, up on Bernal Hikes, no, Twin Peaks, uh-huh. to take him to CBS Records, which used to be located between 4th and 5th. Oh, yeah? And Bryant. Yeah, CBS yeah. became out of that. Yeah. David Rubinson. We walked this drive up to CBS Records, right? After they wanted us, you know, and they set us up for us to record our album at night with Brent Dangerfield producing. Wow. Wow. How many, how long did it, uh, how long did it take to record the album? Well, we, it took us, uh, I think we did like about four, well, we, Fred worked us to death. You know what I mean? He worked us right. to death, man. We were practicing every day, eight hours a day. Right. Every day. And if we had gigs, we did gigs, and we, we there was no time. I mean, strong. This guy had a work ethic that was incredible. Yeah. You know? And we were so tight, man. The, we, Me and the drummer and the conga player could go do a gig and play all our songs without the man. That's how we knew these songs. Yeah. That's how we had us built. Right. So we go into that studio, we record the record, they bring in singers, we bring in the horns, and we're really kicking. And then next thing you know, we get a call again from Larry Graham. Larry Graham says, hey, you guys, listen, man, Don Cornelius just opened up. Don Cornelius. Opened up, bought the Mr. D's and made it Soul Train. Bill, uh, Larry On has, Broadway? On Broadway. Yeah. The old Mr. D's. Mm. Do you think you guys will come <clears throat> and open up for us? <laughs> Let's go, man. Yeah. So we went there to perform. We opened up for Grand Central Station. And back then, when they booked you there, it was five nights. Wow. Ooh. You played five nights a week. Right? Yeah. Thursday, was it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh, and Sunday? Five nights. So and good. every club that was in there, from the Peppermint Tree to the uh, Village, yeah. uh, to Tropical Club, the Orphanage, uh, El Matador, all those clubs had lines going down the block. I wow. mean, people went there walking down. You could see every musician you could think of. That's Damn. Not Thank God I was blessed to see it. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't. I caught the end of it. Yeah. So we get out there and we play in front of, in front of, in front of Don Cornelius. Yeah. After the show, he went up to Fred. We're sitting backstage in our room. He says, hey, I want to ask you guys, would, would you guys mind being our house band? Um, Fred said, Fred said nice. no problem. 
So next thing you know, man, we end up opening up for the Bar case. We end up opening up for Isaac Hayes. Wow. We end up opening up for, I don't know if you remember a bad African band. They were, they were African, but they learned England in England. They learned to speak English, and they were called Sa. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, the elephant. Wow. Yeah, we elephant. The fine yeah, elephant. We yeah. end up opening up for Sa. Yeah. We end up opening up for Kenny Kendricks when he came out with Keep on Trucking. Yeah. And then when when uh, Minnie Ripperton and J- and Stevie Wonder came to the Cow Palace, we did the after party at the Soul Train. Wow. So next wow. thing you know, I'm sitting next there. With, I'm on stage, and I'm playing with Stevie. Yeah. Man, he, he came up to me, grabbed my hand, he goes... Man, I could tell you, you ain't a brother. <laughs> but, and he put his head up in his head like this, but, but, but you sure do play like one. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I listen. said, you must be very superstitious. <laughs> Let's listen to some more of this uh, great music, and we'll talk to... <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to Richard some more. Let's listen to this is the theme song for the 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 house. I think Casa Bandido. Casa Bandido, written by written by Jorge Santana. Oh, Jorge, rest let's in listen. peace, my brother. Yeah, rest in peace, and let's listen to a little bit of Casa Bandido. This is also from Puro Bandido. complaint so far richard I, I need you to show us a little bit more energy oh, can... 
Come home with me and show you as a manager. Hey, come to the me, house. I'll get no, you in the music room, Mr. Funk Bass. We, we got we to come to the house. Yeah, we're ready, man. Oh, we're what, ready you want to tag team me or what the heck's going on here, man? If it takes two of you to do one man's job, or what? I, I, I love the challenge. Hey, let me ask you something. What's my in if I want to become a timbale player? Like, so you were talking about, like, I don't know what's going on, and they kind of they seem like over your head at first. Right. What's your in? Like, how, how do you get into the instrument, even like physically, well, how you stand, how you play it? Like, how, how do you well, get into that? The, the, the instrument that I play is like, imagine it's very a, a, aggressive. Uh -huh. It's like when you, you make a steak, right? Okay. The onions, mm -hmm. the garlic, yeah. and the mushrooms, that's what timbales are, the flavor. How do you count when you when you're playing? Well, I think you're hitting the side and then you're doing something well, with the it, bell. Well, it, it, it's polyrhythm. Yeah. So, like, like for instance, if your foot is is going like this, uh -huh. yeah. One, two, three, four. One, one two, three, four. See, you see. So otherwise, I play twice as fast as what you're right, doing. Right, right. Exactly. If you click, click. Click. I'm going. Now, how does clave there's lay two, on that? There's two, well, if, if you're doing a double time pattern, there's two different claves. Uh -huh. There's the three two clave and the two three clave. Yeah. The three two clave are the like boom 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 boom. The slow stuff. So it's like so you go. We go one two three one two. One, two, three, one, two, one, okay. two, three. Yeah. One, that's the downbeat for the for yeah. the two, four, cha, cha, cha. Right. Now the up tempo to play the fast descargas, the wan wan goals, the mm -hmm. really shit that screams. Yeah. yeah. Is the two, three clave. It's just one, two, one, two, three. See up, up, right. up, up, up. And right, right, one, right. Two, three, down, one, down, two. down. Right. Oh. See, so there's two different claves. And everything in life. In music, yeah. I don't care if you're playing funk. Yeah. I don't care what you're playing is built on the clave. Yeah, clave is the most most important thing of music. Yeah, thank you. It's a clave, and it, and the clave comes yeah. from the African root. Mm -hmm. Just like all mm -hmm. the music Santana plays, yes. it's all African root. Man, yes. everything that I play is all African root. Yeah. Yes. it's just my interpretation of how I express myself when really? I play those roots. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. I'm against the grain. I'm not the traditional timbalero salsa jazz player man no man right. i like I, I want some freedom yeah right yeah see when you play the latin traditional stuff you stick right with the clave right. you don't yeah. move me i get freedom to rip when i feel like ripping and right. lay back and sing and do whatever i, I want to do i'm a double threat because not long can i play team i could sing on top of it yeah right yeah so i'm a double threat i noticed man it's just uh, as i'm getting older my energy level's dropping Shit. It's dropping? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> hey, man, let me uh, let me ask you now. Um, so you worked with Eddie Money basically from 85 to 85, passed away, right? Yes, 85. How did you get that gig? Well, what was that gig like? Okay, here's what's happening. When we went into... Because he's from New York. He's from New York. Hey, Richie, how you doing? This is me, Eddie. Hey, listen, if you talk to John... <laughs> hey, tell... Hey, Richie, tell John to give me a call. You know, Richie... Two when, tickets to Paradise. I got two tickets to Paradise. Paradise and no fucking control. You know, no control, Richie. Remember back in the day when we were making a dollar a, a dollar a second and, and ninety thousand a night? Remember now we can barely feed the cat. <laughs> well, here's what it was. Back in um, eighty five 
when we were in the studio recording. Because he was big, man. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie Money was big. Well, what happened was is um, we were looking for a singer when we were recording with Fred Cotero because my vocals back then in 85 weren't there. Uh-huh. I mean, they were okay, but they weren't what we were looking for. Yeah. So I get a call from a friend of mine, and I'm talking to Jose, God bless his soul. You know, we need a singer. We need a singer, man, and we got to find one. But not alone this, you know, because we used to... We used to get dressed up like bandidos, bro. We wore the guns. I mean, man, nice. bullets. I mean, yeah. you know, stealing women from the guys. I mean, yeah. we were bad, bro. Okay. I mean, let me tell you, we were no joke. We take. We, we went into the Brisbane one time and took out the whole bar. These big old rednecks tried to. We, we hurt these guys. They escorted us in cars with guns to get out of our town. Wow. That's how bad we out were. Out of Brisbane. About a Brisbane, bro. Wow. I'm, I'm telling you, man. We took the women. We take them all. We afraid. Well, bandidos. Anyway, bandidos, right? So Jose goes, yeah, let's get a singer, but he's got to look the part uh-huh. or forget it. So I get a call from a friend of mine that this guy named Johnny Gunn is looking for a Johnny percussionist. Mm-hmm. So I get on the phone. I call up Johnny Gunn, and I meet him in the studio in Hayward. Uh-huh. Right? He pulls up, and within them two-seater, look like Batman cars. Yeah. With a red bandana, with a... Tiger Tooth in his ear, looking straight up bandito, bro. <laughs> and we went in and we hooked up in 85. This guy started playing guitar, started singing, and then he, we started talking. And I said, I came back home, I said. And at the time, he was telling me, hey, Richie, my friend Eddie Money is looking for a percussionist. And I said, well, yeah, well, I'm good, let's go. You got, con- yeah, but my band is looking for a singer. So, he comes to our rehearsal. No, he first of all, we start, he hooks me up with Eddie. Hey, Richie, man, I really like the way you play that shit, kid. You know what, man? Stay still. You're going to be okay, Richie. Okay, save some of that shit for me for after the show. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, my God. I have no idea. Uh, what do you mean? Man, <laughs> what do you mean what I mean? You ain't, no, you ain't that innocent, dude. Starburst? I got two. Yes. Yeah, so, so... Next thing you know, we do a gig. Now, Eddie, we start practicing. So, Eddie comes over and he's really pissed. Yeah. What's wrong, man? You know, because we got really close, me and Eddie got really close quick. Yeah. He goes, You know that fucking Bill Graham? I'm sorry, my language. That motherfucker. That's fine. You know, like, he's got this goddamn song he wants me to sing, and I hate it. But he told me if I sing the song, I'm going to be rich again. And I'm going to do it. I said, Well, let's hear it. Oh. Uh. So he brought the tape, puts it in. Yeah. Take me home tonight. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Just like Ronnie said, and just like Ronnie said, be my little baby. And I went, Eddie, it's a hit. Mm -hmm. I don't like. He didn't like that. Shut up (laughs) and do the song, Ed. Wow, because that was the biggest one. So he goes into recording studio. So then he decides now we're going to go on tour. So he takes the band, and he looks at the whole band. He says, get rid of the drummer. He got rid of the drummer. He got rid of the bass player. He sized the band up he, right there. The band, that, Johnny Gun Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kept me, Johnny. Who else? Me, Johnny. The horn section. Yeah. And the background singers. Fired everybody else, and we went on tour. That's cool. Oh, my God. You know what the biggest high was? New Year's Eve night. We played the Cow Palace New Year's Eve night oh. and opened up 
for Night Ranger. Oh wow! And Eric Night, Night Ranger. Ranger. Night, Night Ranger. Well, I'm good friends with Brad Gillis. Yeah, we still play together. Brad. Yeah. And I got to play, and then we released "Take Me Home Tonight." Oh wow! Rest was history, man. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're all over the place. And then I That's end up amazing. quitting. I end up quitting the band after that because of all the abuse, yeah. not verbal abuse, yeah. but abuse, 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 drug abuse. Yeah, yeah. And I knew if I didn't quit, it was going to kill me. That's really interesting. Uh, sorry to cut you off about that. That's interesting that Eddie Money. It's good to hear that he actually. If I were to guess, I would guess he's a rock guy that doesn't care about percussion. And no, it, he doesn't. And it doesn't mean he does to not him. give. No, then no. What, but he, you and him were we, tight. Man, you, he, we were really close, man. I mean, yeah. I loved him, and it's because of Johnny. Because yeah. Johnny co-wrote No Control album, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then, what ended up happening is Johnny. End up, you know, after we toured with Eddie, you know, and I said, well, like, this is it, man. It's, I can't, man. It's, you know, what, here's what it was. I was going out there playing these major shows. Eddie never, to this day, he never knew I was a Timbali player. True. I never had one solo in 25 years. Uh-huh. What do you mean he never knew? He, he only knew I, two he tickets to Paradise, Congas. Everything was Conga. Right, Tambourine, a little so Congo, jump know. off the ceiling, whatever yeah. else, right? Scared the shit out of the drummer. Yeah. One that. time, one time, I, you know, I was up in the, it was like drums out on the bottom, keyboards, and then tears right here with the horns and singers, and uh-huh. then a big ramp on the top. Uh-huh. One time I jumped from the top ramp right next to the drummer when he was playing hi hat, scared the shit out of me. Oh, you really did jump. I thought you were exaggerating. No, hell no, boy. I was wired for fucking sound, dude. Don't you know yes. I was with Eddie Bunny? Come on, man. Get with the fucking program, kid. Well, anyway, so that's what happened. That, that's what, you know, and then after that, I would I was back then, here's what it was. Uh-huh. I was making five hundred a night. Ninety-five. Eighty-five. Wow. Nineteen eighty-five. Five hundred a night, four hundred and fifty dollar a week retainer. Damn. Right? And two hundred and something dollars for rehearsals. That's pretty good. What do you mean? He's making ninety thousand a night. No doubt. That's true. So I, I work four fucking nights, I make two grand. Yeah. How much is he making? Ninety thousand times yeah. four. Do the math. Almost over four hundred almost four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And I'm getting two grand. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. then I then after a while. I was having more fun playing with Bandito for 50 bucks. Right. Right. Because well, yeah. I got off, man. That's I got off, man. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. So, Absolutely. You know, and then, but to do it all, I end up with Johnny. See, without Johnny Gunn, I don't think I could have kept this band together. Yeah. If it wasn't for Johnny. Johnny's a good guy. Johnny Gunn Why is, is that? my, uh, because he's my co jefe. He oversees all the shit that I can't. Mm-hmm. He knows the business, yeah. he knows the money. He knows how to get the money. He knows how to handle all the stuff that I would give away. Mm-hmm. You see, mm-hmm. Johnny is my brother. Our grandkids are growing up together. Nice. You know, I mean, we are so, I'm so blessed to have him. Yeah. Like, after he joined the band, we were paying him 100 you know, whatever he wanted for his recordings and everything. Yeah. After a while, he said, you know what, man, I'm sick and tired of this. I don't want to be a hired gun anymore. Yeah. Because that's when we really, we were the band that came out with the name Hired Gun back in 85. And he's been with me ever since. Wow. He's been with me ever since, man. You know, and I can't I couldn't do it without him. Yeah. I mean, if anything was to happen to him, I don't know, man. It would really I would really be I don't know. I don't know how if I you know, after losing Jose and losing Johnny, I mean, I don't know if you know it would be tough. Yeah. Because I've always looked over to the right and he's you got there. Your boy there. He's always there. Always yeah. there for me, regardless. We and we've been through the good. 
the bad and the ugly together. Right. Everything, you know, and I really, that's my man, boy. Yeah. He's my wow. boy. That's great. You know, man, we have an unconditional brotherhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, this band, uh, there's been responsibilities where we've been in the band and this guy breaks up with his girl and we're at the show. Yeah. It happened to me. He broke up with his girl and I'm sitting there and she comes over and sits on my lap. Mm. I said, Get off my lap. Yeah. Who do you think you are doing this in front of my brother? You know what? You get a hell out of here and stay away from me and stay away from my band. Yeah. We don't do that shit in this band. We're a brotherhood. And that's why Billy Shoes loves the band. Because mm -hmm. we're a brotherhood band. We've yeah. been together a long time and we understand each other now. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it goes a lot, you know? And that's yeah. why I'm blessed to have what I have. is because I don't take advantage of it. I nurture it to this day mm -hmm. and embrace it. That's and then beautiful. I let the music speak for itself. That reminds me, we we skipped over, um, so like when Puro, when you went from Por, not that you went from it, but Por Vida to, to Puro, Mabuhai. Ben, uh, no, to Mabuhai. To Mabuhai. But you did an album, right? So that got shelved. We that forgot, got, to, yeah, we forgot to talk up, about that. Whatever happened. Do you remember back in 1976 where, where CBS Records got busted for feeding drugs and, uh, and uh, to their musicians instead of paying them? Mm -mm. Look it up. 1975 or 76, it happened. And that was at that time. It was at that time. So what happened to CBS Records? They shut everything down. They took everything that they were working on and they shelved it. And we at that time we didn't have That's crazy. we didn't have the money to buy the record. Wow! Right? I mean, yeah. some big money back then. Right. You know, to, especially to record at night time. Well, our recording times went from like four o'clock in the afternoon to midnight. Yeah, they were paying big money, and then on top of that, Brent Dangerfield was being paid. So what ended up happening? Warner Brothers said, "Hey man, come on." So Warner Brothers got on the phone. So with Warner C Brothers was interested. Yeah. Okay. But. So CBS said, hey, man, well, we want up. this kind of money to buy it. And then Warner Brothers went, hey, man, well, what if we don't like it? Right. right. We're done. Uh, we're done, man. It was all done. And that shit is probably still sitting somewhere in CBS Records in the, in the vault. Wow. Music business. Like, how do, we get that, how do we get that real or whatever it is? It's uh, called independent. Mm -hmm. Do it on your own. No, I mean, how do we get that? The, that the, particular that real album. in CBS. Oh, good luck. I wish I knew I would release it now. Mm. And, and and build on it, right. you know. Take whatever's on there and build yeah. on it. People want to you know, hear Oh that, my man. God! Of course. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I wouldn't even know where to start. Wow. You know, and you made that was CBS that was in the city. Yeah, there used to be right there on Folsom oh, yeah, Street yeah, between yeah. Fifth and Fourth, and then after that, By the David. Bridge. Right, right. David, no, yeah, David Rubinson bought the place and he named it Automat. Oh yeah. After that, right? That was it, man. That's wild, man. That's crazy. And the same, and the same thing, you know, when I was a kid with. With Mabuhai and, and I mean, with uh, Dungeon Sounds in Por Vida, no, no, too, not too many people know on Treat Street between 21st Treat. and 22nd Treat yeah. was Fantasy Records. Wow. Nobody knows that that company was built in the Mission District. That's amazing. Fantasy. Fantasy. Oh, wow. I, Before, I had no idea. I remember as a kid uh -huh. walking down there, coming from John O'Connell High School when uh -huh. I was a kid. Hearing John Fogarty practice. What? I used to, he used to pay me money to go in there and clean all the marijuana things and and and, and beers and shit. I used mm -hmm. to clean up fantasy records. Damn. It, and wow. And how people didn't believe me until Armando Parasa came to my house. Uh -huh. Armando Parasa came here back in the thirties with Mon with Mongo Santa Maria. Okay. And Armando came to play to become a baseball player, and he ended up. Right. A percussionist. You know, he played. Otherwise, he recorded at Fantasy Records with Cal Jader, 
Remember when the albums were yellow and green and blue yeah. and they were clear? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right there, Fantasy Records. Wow. Right? So when he wow. came to my house, he told everybody. I said, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Armando Parasa was one of my idols. You know, I loved Armando. He, me, he, he you know, he, coño, man. He talked to five, man. You're like, I'm going to fuck you, man. <laughs> he, he told me a story. He goes, listen, listen, man. I'm telling you English. One day, every day, I go to play. I go to play in, in, in uh, uh, Minnesota. Every time. Every time I go play, a little black kid, he come. And we want to come back with me backstage. He love, he love Carlos Santana's <laughs> right there. Come on, my friend. You come with me. And I take him every time. Every time. This one. And every time we would go to we, we would go to Minnesota, that black kid, he come back. I take him back. Say, he told me he loved Carlos Santana. Let me tell you, that kid, big man now, man, he prints. Oh, that was Prince. I was going to say what? Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> that was Prince. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Heavy? All well, the if you listen to Prince, life. if you listen to Prince, oh yeah, he said Carlos Santana, number one. Yep. Yeah. So back in the day in '93, Carlos was going to Minnesota. So in that vault, I can bet you a million dollars to one, there's some recordings with Prince and Carlos Santana. Yeah. He used mm. to call him the Purple One. Trip. Carlos called him the Purple One. So he went to Minnesota to do some recording. You gotta hear that. Yeah. Oh man, it's there. I bet. And you know what song I really love uh, that you guys do is True Love Dreams. I was checking right. that out. I just, I, I think it's, uh, let's check this out. I think it's got some crazy uh, musician uh, work here. Well, you know, love is the only thing that conquers all your sorrows. Hey man, I couldn't have said it better myself. I was just telling Jay that before he got here. This is True Love Dreams by Puro Bandido.
this is I, I love that. That's so brilliant. True love dream, man. I got so many questions and so little time. So many other things and tidbits I wanted to ask you about, Richard. Um, one I definitely wanted to make sure we made time for is your work with kids and your work oh, yeah. with youth because they do call you the mayor of the, the mission. mission. We have to explain yeah. why. Yeah. It's not just some BS, well, right? Yeah, before... Uh, talk be, to me about that. Yeah, but before we go to that, on that song... True oh, love, yeah, go ahead. But that True Love Dream, that song was produced by Fred Cotero. Uh, that was Fred oh. Cotero's work. And that the drummer right there is one of my best men that I love him. He's one of the best drummers I've ever played with in my life, and that's Angel Orozco. He worked with Sounds El Chicano. He worked with, he'd worked with Poncho Sanchez. He worked with the Midnight. And he went to San Fernando High School in L.A. He also was in the band that used to play in Disneyland. You know, what? the one that came out of the ground. Uh -huh, Remember yeah. that? That was Angel when he was a kid. Wow. He's worked with Stan Kenton. He's wow. worked with some Stan of the Kenton. biggest people in, on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Albert King Giles, who we lost, uh, he played guitar. See, back then, we didn't have a keyboard player. We used two guitars. Mm -hmm. So that was Albert King Giles on rhythm guitar. And then, Mart and you know, he passed away a year ago. Mm -hmm. And then we have also Linda Black who was the original bandida, she played congas. We lost her about three years ago of oh, cancer. She passed that. away. And then Marty Cohen, he's our he, we called him Marty Jones, who was a mm -hmm. guitar player in the band back then. Mm -hmm. before, and the band was in fire. Fire, uh, man. Fire, man, back you then. You could tell I was responding to that. that was a, I love that. Too. Yeah, so, you know, I love, I want to make sure that I recognize these people yeah, because they respect. were the part that, that they made, they got me to where I am today. So Marty and Angel Orozco and yeah. Linda Black and them, and also one of my good best friends is Rafael Ramirez, uh -huh. the conga player. Me and him have been playing conga since, you know, <clears throat> man, when I first started playing, I played with Rafael Ramirez. So, you know, Rafael Ramirez is my brother. Nice. I love Rafael more <laughs> than anybody would know. You know, and he's he's never cheated on me, man. So he's always been straight up with me, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you two guys are. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to recognize No, that's good, because that's, band, what, you that's know? what this show's all about. Right. So thank you for making a point to do brother that. Brother love. I yeah, brother that. love, man. That's right. Yeah. And now you ask me about children. Yep, um, yep. My whole life, you know, the, the reason why... Well, one of the reasons why I... Um, I do a lot for children because I I can tell you, man, I know what it feels like to lose children. Mm -hmm. I buried three of my kids. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. My I daughter in 1978 was killed by an automobile. She was eight years old. Mm. Oh in 1991, my son Gabriel was killed by an 18-wheeler. Mm. And Right, now my son Gabriel. And then, in, and that was in 91. And then in 2006, 17, honey? Was it 17 or 18? So 2018, my... My other, my other son Richard was killed in an automobile, oh, so I've cars. lost three kids in oh, my life. No. Wow! I'm sorry and I still that. to keep. I I've learned to keep up, yeah. yeah, and be uppity and let all that go. So I know. So that's amazing. I want to protect kids. Yeah, because of not just that, because of my daughter. You know, when Polly Class got killed. Um, I remember that. But she got killed by Richard number. Allen Davis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right. I went up, my daughter was living in Clear Lake, and I was driving up there, and she was telling me the story. We mm -hmm. stopped at the store. We bought a bunch of balloons. Um, and we went to where she, they found her in Cloverdale, and we were getting, I was getting ready to tie the balloons up. I spent $200 on balloons, and she let them go. Cassandra, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Look, Papa, the balloons are going to heaven to Polly. Papa, there's something you have to do. You got to do something about this. So what I did is I went to the missing exploited children uh -huh. and I got the eight steps of awareness from the missing exploited children. What's that? It's, it's a, it's, it's a system that you teach kids. Like for instance, buddy system, never get caught alone. Mm -hmm. Always stay with somebody that you're with, mm -hmm. you know, 
certain things like that. Um, if somebody touches you in a certain way, you have your right if you feel uncomfortable. So I, there's eight steps of awareness. So what I did, yeah. I took the eight steps of awareness, that, and I took music, cha-cha, mambo, blues, 6-8, mm-hmm. reggae, mm-hmm. and I put two steps in between each two steps. So I go two steps. Okay, we're going to play the blues. You know anything about the blues? What are the blues? I said, you ever go home and you don't do your homework and your mother won't let you go out mm-hmm. and you want to go out bad? Yeah, that's the blues. Yeah. You know, so I would, and then I would teach them the eight steps of awareness. So and this, I've been doing this since 2005. No, no, mm-hmm. excuse me, 1995. Uh-huh. And I caught in my own backyard, I've caught four child molesters. I was going to ask you that. So you're like a superhero. You're like Batman. Well, so you caught four. How, how, what's the process of that? Or how would you do well, that? Well, Carlos Antoni told me one day, if you can save one child, you're doing your job. I saved four. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's protecting my community, man. Yeah. And I didn't ask for any money. I did it all for thank you letters. I got... Tons of thank you letters. I got letters of That's appreciation. Awesome, I got letters from Pete Wilson. I got letters from all my mayors, like Gavin Newsom, wow. uh, Mayor Lee, for all the great things that I've done in my community. And it wasn't for any money. I've even went as far as, I don't know if you know anything about the Janet Pomeroy Center. It's a Janet Pomeroy Center, but it's in no. the zoo. And all the kids there are handicapped. You know, where they beat their heads on the tables, oh, okay. they can barely like talk. Like autistic or whatever. They tell you jokes like, uh, why did the turtle cross the road? And why? Because you wanted to get to the Shell station. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and they love your music. Yeah. And what I would do, I would get these tough-ass kids that think that they're badass. Come with me for a minute. Put them on stage. Look at these kids. Look at how selfish you're being. I had kids, they would walk in there and go outside because they couldn't handle the energy of seeing these kids that never had a chance. Mm. So I would go to John Promeroid every year and play for them for free. That's beautiful. And I did every school in San Francisco. I've even did schools out here in Oakland. Yeah. I went as far as uh, the shelters in Santa Clara. I went all over over our Bay Area for thank you letters. Never asked for a penny. So now, since I, I've, I'm getting ready to do it again, because now I have a nonprofit organization where I can, you know, I, I, I would like to pay my musicians. Yeah. I'm not worried about me, but, you know, for, for their time, you know, and equipment. What's your nonprofit? I got a nonprofit with my cousin Armando Rodriguez. It's called Stars for the Future. You know it, Giving yeah, Back. Stars for the Future. Yeah. yeah, Stars for the Future, Giving Back, and we are a 501c3 tax ID Beautiful. number. Would that be the website? Like, can I find yes. it? On? Okay. Yes, you can find it on the website. So... That's what we've been doing. But through that, we started building kid bands out of my house, like the, the Bell Bottoms, yeah. you know, and hooking up with, uh, with her, you know, with Gabby. and, uh, and um, Leslie Lewis. Leslie Lewis and Leslie Lewis being a big part wow. of making this happen. Yeah. These kids have opened up. Because of Leslie Lewis, these kids have opened up for Atlantic Star, for opened mm-hmm. up for Confunction. Ohio and, players. Uh, Ohio players wow. and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. man. Wow. You know, and these kids are still performing to this day. Truly. So now what I do... You let it, them record at your place? Oh, well, yeah. Yep. What, like, say, for instance, you have a singer that wants to... You, you know, because the most part of, of music to me is not really learning the music, but being inspired by the music. See, if I inspire you, you're not going to stop. Right. But if I put a book in front of you and you're going, I don't want to do this, man. This is boring. Right. So well, how do you do it? You know, Harold Day was had the right thing. You know, like... Teach them music that they like. You want to be a guitar player? What's your yep. favorite song? Mm-hmm. Let's learn that. 
Yeah. You know, same thing with music. I Like, say, for instance, you have a niece that wants to learn to sing. I ask her what her favorite song is. We go into my studio, put the nice mic, get it all ready to go, and say, give me the karaoke version of the song that you like. Right. And let them sing it. And then take that song, put it on a CD or on a hard drive, take it to Carnival or uh-huh. wherever you want to go, and let them perform in front of the world. people. Huh? Yeah. Right? Yeah, wow. That's what it's so about, great. man. That's yeah. what it's about. You know, I mean, <laughs> like I have this little kid, Adrian Zuniga. You know, he's related to the Chipito family, and his kid's really good. He's left-handed, and I took him under my wing. I started putting him out on big shows with Bandito, and so finally um, I, I went to Berkeley to play with Ricardo Monzon, who's the Berkeley te- the teacher, the professor at the Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Mm-hmm. And he liked the kid, and we made a... Um, a, CD, a DVD of him going through, you know, bongo, every instrument that there is. And I sent it to them and they said, I tell you what, man, I got, we got, we're going to fly your, your kid out here. He's going to take an, a, a month there. He's going to take a test. If he passes the test, he's got a four year grant to go to the Berkeley School of Music, Jeez. which comes out to almost $300,000. Beautiful. So now that I'm getting him there, if he goes in there and does what he's supposed to do, What's that going to do for me? Open That's going to open up doors for our our kids of color. Yeah. Open the door. To be able to go to school and Wide not have open. to pay anything. Man. And, you, you know, so that's music, that, that's music, so music. That's yeah. what it is. Like Carl Perrazzo from yeah. Santana, 25 years. He's been following me around since he was nine years old. Nice. And now he, I had him on my documentary, which I got a documentary coming out soon. He came and been part of it, and that's all he kept talking about. I remember this guy when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, one time he came to my house. He goes, "You know, I remember that man," and he was telling a story about Dolores Park. He goes, "I remember," and I thought he was going to talk about all the conga players. That's where they were meeting. Mm-hmm. And I remember the song in El Parque Dolores. And he looked at me. He goes, "That's when I knew I was going to be a timbali player." And I watched Richard play. He had timbales all the way around him, and he played them all. And this guy's a monster now. Right. He inspired me to make me who I am. If it wasn't for him, I probably would have been a doctor. I said, "You are, but a doctor <laughs> of music." Yeah. So I thought, man, he got me. He got me also inspired, right? So I went downstairs. I set up my timbalitos. I set up my timbales. I set up my timbales. I put this. I put the road. I put the bongos. I put all the equipment. <laughs> After I set everything up, I was so sweaty that I would have took a nap. I said, "I can't do this." <laughs> <laughs> I would have said took a nap and I got up the next station and then put everything back in the case. Oh man. Two was enough, man. You know? But that's what we do. We work with kids, yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's such a uh, such a great thing. Um let me by the way, that reminds me, you had a, a interesting quote. Let me try to find it right here. Uh you said We're losing our people and our culture. I read this in an article about you. Right. Uh, we're losing our people and our culture. The Day of the Dead and Carnival have become commercial holidays. When will it stop? The city is becoming Babylon, selling anything it can. Right. We need to get out there and make a change. So exactly. you, you've seen the mission from back to the 60s to exactly. now. Like, exactly. What are you seeing? I see, what I see now is terrible. It's terrible. Um, I work with an organ. Okay, I'll just say that... Our mayor and our people that are running our city are selling anything that they can mm-hmm. for money and profit. What do you mean? For instance, bicycles in our neighborhood. Okay, I can understand having one, 
bike shop? We have any. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. But they have Ford in there taking up our parking spaces with these rent-a-bikes. Oh, or, yeah. We have oh, problems right. as it is with parking. Right, especially in the mission. In the mission. And they're selling it all to these corporate companies. Oh, man. Parking. Damn. Right? And it's Got bad you. enough now yeah. that all our people in our in our stores have to serve food outside and take up parking. Mm -hmm. Now we got all these bikes. Right, right, right. It's terrible. Yeah. Instead of them taking that money and putting it into the homeless problems that we have in the mission, it is terrible. People pissing in the streets. People getting care. You know, they made $11 billion one year. Mm. $11 billion. And they couldn't do anything about all of this? That's nuts. Hey, let me ask you, by the way. Do you do you guys have anything down the uh, coming down the pike with like uh, music venues, like getting those uh, yes. more active? Yes, yes, we do. They just keep closing, especially. Well, here's here's year. what it is. Um, here's what it is. Um, last year we lost. Well, you know, I'm very connected with the Santana family. You know, with Carlos, his younger brother Jorge was like my big brother, uh -huh. and his and uh, Casa Bandido he wrote. That he wrote the song about our house. That's how much love. And his his nephew, Jose Santana, which is Carlos's older brother. It's Tony. Uh -huh. That's his wow. older. Damn. That's his son, and he's a rapper. Right? So we lost Jorge in May. Mm -hmm. May 13th. I was Rest floored. I, um, he was telling me, Segovia, I'm going to make sure the whole world knows about Casa Bandido. So he was bringing Live Nation to do commercials at my house. He's bringing Spain. He was mm. bringing some of the biggest people to my house before he had passed away. Yeah. So last year in the summer, I did a little Roomba. Mm -hmm. So what I'm, going, what I'm shooting for right now, because it happens that one of my best friends runs the La Raza Park from my house, that I want to do a tribute on October 16th. At La Russell Park. Oh, yeah. To the Latin October rock 16. legends. I want to put together with with Jorge Santana, who we lost from Malo. We lost Arcelio Garcia last year, too. Mm -hmm. He was the lead singer from the Malo, from the Malibus, one of the one of the founders. Right. And then on top of that, years ago, we lost Raul Rico, who was the Tim Conga player for Santana for 35 years. We lost him of cancer. And then my best and best friend from Cuba, Armando Parasa. He passed away, mm. and that maybe four or five years ago. And then recently, we lost Rudy Salas from Tierra. You know, yeah, oh, right. we could be yeah, right. on a desert, yeah. lost without wow. a place to go. Right. He had passed away. So what I want to do is I want to do a free concert at La Raza Park for the Latin legends. Right. Uh, rest in peace. And right now, I've I've gotten... In contact with all the family last Either. year and we were ready to do it right but the pandemic hit it didn't go away last right. year so i'm putting everything in motion right now mm -hmm. i got the park i'm having a big meeting in three weeks i'm going to do a free concert out there and if the pandemic is willing we're going to celebrate their lives and at the same time what i want to do is couple it all to the unveiling of my mural again Mm -hmm. What I'm looking who's at going to be on there? What I'm looking at doing is putting one of my best friends in the world, Bill Graham. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Rita Gentry had just put out a book on Bill Graham, and I was honored for her to call me. They said, "Hey, Richard, put so many of the paragraphs together. I want you to be part of the book." Mm -hmm. She works with Carlos. So Rita Gentry oh, nice. to me is an angel. I just met her over the phone. I've never met her personally. Yeah. But what an angel. 
I love that woman. We get along. We laugh. And she's hooked up with Carlos. He's hooked up with the whole thing. So she talked to Bill Graham's son and his brother. They gave us the green light. I want to put him on the mural. Sweet. Uh, In the front. Yeah. Okay. Now what I'm working on, I talked to Paris Escovito. Mm -hmm. I have Uncle Bobby in front of the house. I want to put Coke. Mm-hmm. In front, next to Uncle Bobby, because okay. you know I've been around the Escovito's family when they were the brothers. Yeah, I've known Pete. a roadie for them. I was a roadie at a, a young age. I was like twelve. Yeah, yeah. You know, and nice. I used to sit outside, and Uncle Bobby used to sneak me in. And where's all that smoke? I'm getting hungry. You know, right, <laughs> right, right. So I reached out to the Escovitos through Juan, uh-huh. and I know Pete. I've known Pete. You know, I toured with Pete with Mabuhai. Yeah, with Azteca. Okay. Back in the day. So Sweet. I know those guys, right? Mm-hmm. So I got on the phone. I called Juan. I talked to Pete. So my vision is to take Coke, put him in the front of the house, and then on the side of my mural, I want to run Pete, Sheila, Juan, and Peter Michael coming down the house. Mm-hmm. And I want to unveil that on October 16th. No. You know, so I'm going to be doing a so GoFundMe. On the same day. So on the same day. that and then go see a show. And then go see a show. That's nice. So what I'm thinking about doing is going with a GoFundMe account uh-huh. and do a GoFundMe to help me pay for the restoration on the mural. Right. And to celebrate these family because I, you know, money is money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It takes mm-hmm. it. But the guy's giving me a reasonable price. My fence that I'm putting is starting to fall apart. I got to do a new fence. Uh-huh. So we're figuring out numbers and money and, and how we're going to make this happen. And then we're going to do a celebration of life. And uh, Pastor Martin Cantu is going to be heading up the GoFundMe account. Sweet. So that's what my goal is then. And then we're going to do a tribute to these guys. And, and then my kids, the ones that we're talking about, uh-huh. they're going to headline. Nice. So it'll be Bandito. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be Bandito. <laughs> Malo and the kids. And the kids. Yes. Great, so Lou is trying to reach out to her and Gabby. Yeah. Hey, man, we're going to be doing this. And I got my all my kids now because all the kids that I was working with that were small, they're all in college now. Growing up now. They're going to Berkeley. They're going to UC Cal. Yeah. They're going to Santa Barbara, but they're willing to come and practice to make this happen. Wow. So I want to do something for my children and give them the platform to do something. But now they're all 25, 26, and they are smoking, dude. So watch out. <laughs> That's great that they keep with it, too. Hey, man, that reminds me. Didn't, like, right before he got in the crash, wasn't Bill Graham trying to sign you guys? Yeah. He had pictures taken Yeah, and what happened was. That was like 88, he, Here's right? what happened. I don't know if you guys know Chris Solberg. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Chris Solberg played with Carlos Santana back in the day, you know, in the, in the 80s, mm-hmm. late 70s, early 80s. Okay. I ended up playing, meeting Chris Solberg with Johnny Gunn because we played together with Eddie. And he played he played with Eddie Money. He put the guitar parts and Two Tickets to Paradise and most of that stuff. And he also played with Eddie James. Uh-huh. And he mm. also played with Chris Isaac. Wow. So he's well-renowned. Right. So what ended up happening one day is we got a gig at at uh, Union Square with Puro Bandido. And I'll be damned, Chris Solberg was running our sound. Bill Graham jumped over four barriers to get to us and looked and said, what are you doing there? What's Richie doing there? Who is this band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like you guys. Man, you guys are off the hook. I want you to play the benefit for AIDS. And open up for Linda Ronstadt. Wow! At the gift center, and that's when he had. I remember that. That's when he had Huey Lewis yeah. at Slim's. Yeah. Had Los Lobos and Tower Power at the Oakland Coliseum. We were the only band back then that wasn't signed to a deal. Mm-hmm. 
guess what time he the show started at six and it went on until twelve. You know what time he put us on? Nine o'clock, prime time. Wow. Right after that, he booked us to play with Eddie Palmetti, Poncho Sanchez, and Carlos Santana at the at at the um, Berkeley Greek Theater. Wow. So then he set us up for a photo shoot. And we went and did all this photo shoot. We got ready to go. And he was waiting. You know, he, you know, Bill. Yeah. And everybody was telling him, hey, man, if he wants to give you 10%, you take whatever he wants to give you because this guy's going to take you. So I was good. Mm-hmm. Then one day I was home. I turned on the TV, and there he is, man. He took a helicopter ride, and that was it. Yeah. He was getting ready to sign us to a major deal. Oh, my God. You know? And and he sat down because at that time Carlos was going in the wrong direction, so I was backstage with him at the concert at the Greek, and he was telling me he's getting ready to make a change with Carlos because he didn't like the direction, mm-hmm. and he was telling me as how much he loved Latin music, you know, the, the Fillmore he's got Chow. I mean, he was just going way back, and I was just I I sat there with him for two hours and I didn't say one word. Wow, I just listened to him. Right. Yeah. You, not one word? No, that's pretty hard for me. Do you believe that, Tammy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, um, uh, you shared this stage with Willie Colon and yeah. uh, Hector Laveau? Yes, sir. Tell me about that. Oh, my God. Okay, here's what happened. We went, we, the Budweiser wanted us to do a commercial, right? Budweiser. We okay. did two commercials for Budweiser in Spanish for the Bud Light. Okay, but at the time, who's they, we? Bandito. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said I, I had a friend that was working for Melvin Belli, and I sent him a letter, and I sent him a track, and they liked it. But then they asked us if we had any original material. But what happened was they were hesitant. So next thing you know, Bud uh, Miller came to Dolores Park with a stage that uh, an eighteen wheel truck right. that folded out to a stage. <laughs> right. Nice. And they brought Willie Colon wow, yeah. to play mm. Hector Lobo. And they asked, who is the hottest band in the Mission District that can complement what they're doing? And they said, Puro Bandido. Yeah. So we went there to open up for, for Willie Colon. I wish I saw mm. that. Right? Man. Nice. It was in the na- newspaper the other day. He says, hey, there was there Jim... G- Greg Morris was with the newspaper. He goes, I can't believe it. I was watching this band, and there was smoke in the air. Who was it? Was it that band? No, it's not Santana. Or was it El Chicano? No, it wasn't El Chicano. There was too many of them, you know, and they were dressed like this. It's the Banditos. And the, and, and the leader of the band, the jefe, Richard Segovia, said he'd like to thank the San Francisco Police Department for letting him on work furlough so he could be here tonight. <laughs> was he true or was it a lie? That's how they ended in the newspaper. So, Chipito was there. And he says, grandson. Yeah, grandfather, what's wrong? Ulico don't want me to play. But the timbali player won't let me use his equipment. And, you know, like, remember Carl said? I had tons of them. Uh-huh. I said, grandfather. Pick out what you want. Took two, put them on a stand. He goes, but I need you to do me a favor. You know, I have dizzy spells because it's hot. When I go like this, you come over and take over for me. Oh. No problem. <laughs> and now, so the timbali player standard, so Chupito starts to rip, man, and he starts tearing it up, and all of a sudden he turns around and goes, 
I go running up the stage. I get on the timbales, and I just played like there was no tomorrow. I just gave every inch, everything that I had, man. All the years of playing, I was going to put it all in within 45 seconds. Because yeah. I'd learned that when you play solos, get in and get out. Yep. You only do so much because people's expansion in their brain, for them to wait, they get, you only can, can hold on to them for so long. Mm -hmm. So I went in there and I just gave it everything I got within 35, 40 seconds, pulled back. And when I went like that, I went to the timbali player and I went to hand him my timbali sticks and he put his hands up like, no, 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 no. I don't want any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chipito, my grandson, yeah, cabrón. He started cussing at him in Nicaraguense. Come on, mierda, cabrón. And that was my one experience. And then Willie Colon came up to me and said, oh, man, tu sabes, man, you play buddy good, man. I said, well, why don't you come to Casa Bandido? And he came over to my house with Hector Lobo, and we hung out for about Oh, hour. they did? They oh, yeah. came to Casa? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They came to the Casa. My wow. brother cooked them a big dinner. I'm a big... Uh, that, that's my favorite salsa, those guys. Yeah. I, well, they're I the love, ones that started. Yeah. Did, you, did you know that, um, you know, Johnny Pacheco? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you know Definitely. that? <laughs> I didn't know it. He was he was in Puerto Rican. He was from Dominican Republic. Is that true? It's true. <laughs> he was same thing with same thing with Alex Rodriguez. Sure. The baseball well, player. Yeah. He's Dominican. Dominican. Oh, yes. I knew that. Yeah. Coño, yeah, yeah. but they speak like the Puerto Rican, yeah. man. So that was my thing with Willie Colon, man. That's amazing, man. Hey, Richard, we got to listen to one more song. Listen to some music. I want to listen to the song Bandido. By Puro Bandito. This is another. I like the bass line on this one as well. Do, 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 do. Yeah, this is do, really cool. Do, 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 Let's listen do, 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 to a little Bandito. Oh, there it is. <laughs> How did you know that? We don't need no stinky badges. I love it. Bandido. I forgot to mention that uh, September 17th, that's Richard Segovia, Segovia Day in San Francisco. Day, yes. Wow, you got a How do I get a day, man? I want a day. I want uh, Ace Allen Day. Well, how do we get Jay Stone Day? How well, do we what you have to do, you guys have to learn to ride. <laughs> if you can't ride, get off that horse. 
Ed Lee, the late uh, Mayor Ed Lee, he gave you. The- oh yeah, he he wrote a big letter. But he realized the forty years of when he when he had passed away of all the efforts that I've done in the Mission District, and I was very well. I cried on stage when the guy brought the I letter, bet. and he had brought the certificate and said, "Thank keep." And now at the end of the letter, how did all- you find out? I didn't. It was we were at the show when I was doing the, on September seventeenth. Is, is the day that I unveiled my mural. Uh-huh. It was the mural day. Mm-hmm. So they showed up with the letter. Okay, we need to use your mic. I got something I want to say. So go ahead, bro. Oh, so you didn't. And then he started, wrote what was written what? on the letter and said, and then at the end of the letter, it said the most important thing, not about the mural, continue doing what you do. Yeah. So if anybody gives me any static about what I'm doing, hey, wait a minute, man. The mayor the said, mayor. told yeah. me to keep going. That's right. He didn't tell me to stop. He said, keep doing what you're doing, kid. Yeah. So I'm, hey, so you want to, I'm Mr. Lee's, I'm just uh, <laughs> doing what he told me to do. So you're going to tell me to stop fulfilling his dream? And he right. died a month later. Wow. Uh, so month later. That. Month later. So you heard it, guys. So around, uh, every year around September, get your uh, Richard Segovia tree, put some presents around it, maybe some timbales around it. September 17th, we can open it and make some music, right? Yeah. I love yeah. trees. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard man. you were right. talking about that I when you got here galletas <laughs> hey let me ask you man motivated <laughs> we get motivated you like uh, you flipped the script on uh, Maze right like they were raw oh, soul and you were opening man. for them yeah that was at the what Frankie, hap- Frankie Beverly and yeah Beverly. what happened was this was in 1975 I think in some of the, they weren't even called Maze yet they were raw soul raw soul, raw soul. they were from Philly and uh they called us up and they said, hey, uh, Mabuhai, uh, we want you to come to the peppermint tree and do five nights with Raw Soul. We want you to open up for them. Okay? So we sure. We got up there. We kicked butt. You know, we, didn't, we, we remember, you're talking about a band that's, that's been practicing five days a week, yeah. eight hours a day. I mean, we were, un, we were relentless. I, yeah. We didn't care. We would let our music speak. So we got up there and we kicked butt. Yeah. The first night, the next four nights, Raw Soul was our... Opening act for Mabuhai. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. did, they, how did was, they feel about that? It was a rare moment. <laughs> very, very raw. <laughs> and then me and Frankie became very close. Mm-hmm. Like ba- oh, okay. Bandito, we were practicing at SIR Studios, which was across the street from Automat. Right. You know, at yeah. CBS Records. Uh-huh. And a friend of mine goes, hey, man, uh, Frankie's next door. I know him. Oh, you liar. So come on with me. So we walked into the major room. He took one look at me. He ran off the stage and came over to me and gave me the biggest hug. Wow. Where you been? <laughs> and I'm still right now having a hard time because I want to hook. I want to reconnect with them. I haven't seen. I want to say 1986. Oh wow! Was the last time I saw Frankie. It's a long time. So I can. I need to reconnect with them yeah. just to give him a hug and say, yeah. "Hey, brother," because I know his health right now is not doing very well. Yeah, right. he's got to be in his 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but man, so, look at California. Yeah, that's the bomber. Right <laughs> <laughs> that's the well, bomber. Well, it, it was better to him than it was in New York. I mean, in Philly, right? Yeah. He was looking at California his whole life. That's where he made it here in California. That's what I was going to ask. You. Did they? They made. He, so he was living out here. Yeah, in Oakland okay. there. Wow. This area. Wow. I think yeah. he's living. In Lafayette or something yeah. right now, right? Yeah, because yeah. I think his wife is one of the news people on yeah. Channel oh, is Two. She? Yeah, we gotta get her. We gotta get him on. More, well, lady name if more. you do, man, call me. Yeah, I need to see him. Okay, you know, I need to yeah. see Frankie. We could facilitate that. Yeah, man. great man. Hey, tell me about the time you got scared. You saw uh, 
the first time you saw average white band, oh, you know who they were. They okay. had like these guys with cowboy hats. Yeah, on. what happened was yeah, what happened was is that one Great day Freddie Freddie got a wild hair up his butt, and we said we're going to get in our cars. We had a Ford, one of those Econoline vans, uh-huh. and I had my 1963 Studebaker, and the rest of the band had cars. And we decided we were going to start in San Francisco, or we were going to head all the way down and start doing every college that comes our way. Mm-hmm. So we stopped. We did Ohlone. We did San Mateo College. We started going down in every college. We got down to L.A. We did UCLA, and then we went into another college. So fun. So before we got to L.A., he had us set up at a gig at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do Saturday night at Whiskey Go because our goal was to get down to San Diego and play the big La Raza Festival and with Willie, Willie Bobo okay. in, in San Jose. Damn. So we pull in, we get there kind of late, and as we walk in, the first band, the, you know, the headliner was sound checking. Yeah. And as soon as we walk in, they went, bump, and the end of the song, and I looked on stage and I seen a bunch of white brothers dressed up in white. Right. Warren Cowboy Hats. Uh, Who are these guys? And and here I am in a band, blacks, Filipinos, half half people, half black, myself, all minority, you know, different uh, languages, different Filipinos. And I looked on stage and I knew it. This is before the Blues Brothers. (laughs) And I looked and I said, oh my God, Fred, what the hell did you do? We're going to play with these rednecks? Yeah. Fred, we're going to get killed. <laughs> so we got up on stage and we set up our equipment. Right? We didn't have no hotels. Oh, you did? Uh, Hell no, yeah, man. Yeah. We didn't have right, no, right. Well, man, as soon as we finished, we're packing up our shit. We're heading to the next college. Yeah, yeah. And they had to set it up for us to stay at the college dorms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we took our sound check and I'm backstage. And I, I turned my car around, right? I didn't back. I, I put it this way. So just the way if I had to get out of there, I had to go straight out. I didn't have to right. worry about backing up and yeah, trying yeah. to get out. We hit that stage and the whole dance floor went nuts. And I was relieved. Oh, man, what's going on here? Yeah. So we get off the stage and all the people are out. The crowd are standing next to the shade and the band turned around and went, one, two, three. And it was average white band. So were they dressed in their in their cowboy hat still? Yeah, they were all in their white shit, bro. Wow. And that's when I decided after that I was never gonna judge a book by its cover. Those cats are from Scotland. Yeah, yeah, I met them before. No, but AWB, bro. Yeah, they tight. Amazing. And then at the same time, that's when I had the opportunity to me earth wind and fire they had just came out with their mighty mighty album oh wow and we stopped off and we played uh don krishna mm, and we okay. opened up for wow. we we opened up for black oak arkansas and in orange county at the bottom but they since we were signed with cbs record they said we don't want you playing their shit on tv yeah because we were signed you know we we're with cbs records uh, so that you know politics again yeah, yeah, yeah. so we didn't make it but black oak arkansas earth wind and fire mighty mighty we were there we played got to play don krishna but because of cbs records they didn't Scrap. play our stuff on tv yeah oh my god yeah trippy such a life man such a <laughs> legend um Richard, we're so happy for having you come on. Uh, Jay, getting you on the show. Uh, you're very inspiring to us. This, uh, what we're trying to do with this show, it's, it's very, uh, it's in the shadows of what you're doing, but similar. Our, our episodes, it's like our mural. You know, we're trying to show, uh, show the love to all the musicians that we care about, and you're one of them. 
You're helping us connect, uh, show everybody in the world, because this show goes out internationally, right. how the Bay Area connects right. Latin rock and funk and rock and all. It's all together yeah. in one beautiful stew, uh, right. one uh, gumbo, right. uh, mumbo jumbo, mumbo as you jumbo. said. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's just great having you here. You inspire me. You make me. I'm going to go out and catch some uh, crime, you know, catch a child molester or two after I leave here. Yeah, you man, know, that's, you inspired me. Get back to the community. That's what yeah. it's about. Yeah, if, you're really, really. if you're really about... The community, and you're really back. You want to give back to your community mm -hmm. because it takes a village to make yeah. things happen. And to make a village, you got to make things happen in your neighborhood because if you can't be successful and do good things in your community, you're no good to anybody else. Yeah. And that's what the thing is. That's what Jorge Santana used to tell me mm -hmm. is that Richard, man, I love you because you not alone when you have parties. You used to tell everybody, hey, you got to go to Segovia's party, man. He feeds the whole neighborhood. That's yeah, what we do. He was talking about your party. Oh, he knows. <laughs> he knows. And maybe one of these days, you know, like um, the Emerald. I went to go to a thing with Emerald. Yeah. You know, Emerald Triangle. Yeah. You know, there's the big mm -hmm. cannabis company. Yeah. They were so blown away about my galletas. <clears throat> They're coming on April 4th with this big television thing that they have, and they want to do a big thing in front of my house. So you guys might want to come over. Sweet. We and, will. And hang April out, 4th. man. We and I'll, we'll interview you guys and talk about what we're doing here. Yes, yes, <clears throat> yes. Yes, yeah. we're going to do that. Right. Okay? Just give me, you know, give me notice because I have to fix my hair, but otherwise we are <laughs> there. Let me ask you well, one last question before we leave because I got to know, I'm, I'm Mr. Well, everybody is, but... I'm really a you know big big Hendrix guy. So what's Al Hendrix really like? Oh my uh, God! I you know me, yeah. Um, he came I'll, over for the T-shirt. Love, uh, yeah. Okay. Love, um, respectful. Um, all I want is what they took away from my son. That's what he said. And I can't understand how my son only died with seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in his account. Mm. All I want is to be my son to rest in peace and for us to get what we deserve. And we're going to fight because that's the only thing I got left of my son is what he left here. And I'm not going to let anybody rape it or take it. True. Wow. And here, Michael, here's these two big old boxes with all this memorabilia from my son's Damn. future. Ooh. My uncle, I, I went to today, Tammy, my wife, and asked Michael, where is that stuff? Somewhere around here, He's, he came with two boxes, videos, books, everything, recordings, and stuff like that. I and what did Tammy out. say? Did, did you find it? <laughs> where's my Michael? Where's Theo Michael? Where's my T-shirt? <laughs> and now he's coming out with the new um, sent. Uh, the family, his sister, okay. sent Michael some new silk screens of stuff that they wanted. Uh, uh, Janie Hendrix. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sent Michael a bunch of stuff, and now we're going to be doing a whole line. Of Jimi Hendrix new stuff. Oh my God! And what's That's happening? Uh, there's a company I was telling you, Supreme. Uh -huh. They're going to be doing t shirt, uh, sweatshirts, and pants, oh, yeah, and everything. Yeah. With, New York City, with, with yeah, big, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Michael, that's Michael's new job now. Going to be working with Supreme and working with the with, Hendrix with the Hendrix family. Foundation, See, yeah. so it's not just okay. We're a t-shirt company. Here you go. Yeah. No, we're family. We're fam. And man, how do you think I feel knowing that the, what they're doing started in my house? Yeah. That's amazing. That making T-shirts and everything that Michael's doing, Heaven Smiles was started in my garage. Yeah. Wow. wow. Amazing, huh? That is amazing. 
You know, and my documentary, I'll let you know when my documentary comes out because I want you to see it. Yeah. Michael's talked for about a half hour on my documentary about how Heaven Smile started in my home and how right. I made that happen for him. You know how important that is to me? Yeah. That's wonderful. You know, I mean, and having the, the the communication that he has with the Hendricks family. Mm-hmm. Wow. Also, all those things be started where? In right. my garage, Gosh, man. Yeah. So Isn't much crazy, started in man? your garage. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That so that's it's so I'm blowing my mind. By the way, uh, people keep hearing, for those of you hearing the sound of my voice, you keep hearing T-shirt. These are very high-quality shirts. Like, if you see them, they're, like, beautiful. Yeah. They're, like, right. they're, like, works of art. They're very, very high-quality, like, um, just. Yeah, we just did four T-shirts for Flea. For the Red Hot Chili Peppers, nice. we just yeah, it's did not four just some them. swag, you guys. No, this no, is like no. Just, what incredible. he does, these incredible. t-shirts are hand-printed individual. Yep. Are they are they t-shirts of Fleet or are they these? No, kind of I think he it's had. Probably, he I think them, I think what he did, I think it was. I don't know if it was some Hendrix or some Miles Davis or something that Michael put on his t-shirt. Yeah. But what Michael does, it's a it's an. He it's probably like, won Hendrix. The, imagine the t-shirts on a canvas. Yep. And then Michael sit like. there. And paint this T-shirt yep. on a canvas, it's like and then say, a "Now wear this." And Michael gets mad at these people because his saying is, "Don't put it in a frame. You wear that shirt. Oh, I so want, he, he wants oh, you to man, wear it. He wants you to wear it. <laughs> I want you to go outside and wear these wonderful T-shirts, you know, that he's made. And I want you to show it to the world." Yeah. He doesn't want you to put it in a damn frame. He wants you to put it and wear it, man. Oh, wow. by the way, guys, and I got to acknowledge this now. Uh, Richard uh, presented our show, Ace Out Podcast, with a wonderful uh, signed uh, portrait. Uh, From Michael Reels. Yeah, man. That is so it's called, beautiful. It's called the Mission District. <gasps> it's a boat with all the Mission District people on it. I wanted to share some of my Thank Uncle Michael's so artwork with you. and. And, you know, like, feel free sometime if you ever feel like you got a wild hair and you want to come to the house or even do a, a simulcast out of my house, you know, feel you know, free I was to just come and do it, man, because have I have all that. the equipment. We could do it. And just have and people we could, come by, we could, man. No, we could set up the live band. We can have the funk come and play. We can mic everything up. And just think about if you ever feel like doing that. We man, should do something homes. with your event, Yeah, too, because uh, on October, on uh, April 4th, I got uh, I got the people coming from the Triangle, man, yeah. you know, from uh, em Emerald. Emerald Triangle, They're yeah. coming with this big thing to do it. So come on over, have dinner. We're going to have some wonderful food oh, and thank you. break some bread and... And, We're all you know, about that, right? You know, and you know, maybe we, we, you know, they want me to do some kind of music thing. Okay. So we're thinking yeah. about because it's cannabis, you know. Yeah. You know, um, you know. Okay, let me one more thing, one more question. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Let me tell you, what if you see if you guys know this? What was the very first song that it was ever talking about marijuana? Um. Okay, I'll give you one more hint. It was done in the 1900s. That's what I was gonna say. Oh, uh, probably, uh, what's his name? What's the fast uh, uh, a piano player? Uh, Cab Calloway? No, it was written by... No, no, no. Pancho Villa. Pancho oh, Villa. Pancho Villa. <laughs> I was thinking Jelly Roll. Uh, uh, wow, that's amazing, man. I can't remember it. You ready? Yeah. La cucaracha. Yeah, thank you. La cucaracha. So I was about to say. It's Porque le quiere, porque le falta marijuana que fumar. And you know what the cucaracha was? The cockroach. cockroach. The, yeah, you know the, what it was? Yeah. No. The Germans gave Pancho Villa a Packard, which was a convertible, and it was brown. And the way it went in the dirt... When it was coming down the road, 
It was like a cockroach. Uh, and oh, yeah? smoke, and it moved like this. And he had all his people, and he would the smoke these big, big old joints. So that's what they were talking about. That so that was the very me, first wow. song that was ever written about marijuana in the 1900s, La Cucaracha. And the Cucaracha was the car. You know, puede caminar. I can't go, I can't go, porque le quiere, porque le falta. And everybody's in it. Marijuana, que fubar, right? That's how that song was built. And it was put back together by Pancho Villa. Wow. So I'm going to take a remake of that stuff. So when they come over, man, maybe you bring your guitar. We're going to oh, yeah. set up in my yeah. backyard. We'll yeah. And we're gonna do like the uh, same thing, like a wahida. Yeah. One tanamota. Yeah. Wahida. One tanamota. One tanamota. Wahida. One tanamota. Guaracha. Guaracha. Dum 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 dum. Ya no puede caminar. So we're just going to do a jab. That so sounds like a plan. If you want to come and perform, we're come there, on, man. I'm with we're it. There. Okay, then we're going to have to set something up to learn that song. It's going to be really easy. Yeah. I'll bring a keyboard player. We'll get a drummer. I'll bring some congas to demolish it. We'll put it in the backyard. Yeah. And we'll go for it. Sounds wow, like a plan. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. by, by the way, I just want to tell you one last thing. My, my friend, Scott, uh, Scott Shepard, who uh, he actually helps, uh, helps fund the show, put the show on. He did uh, sound, personal home sound for Carlos for many years, and it was a very good friend of Jorge. And I just wanted to mention my friend Scott, he showed me a picture yesterday. Jorge Santana actually played personally at his wedding, my friend Scott's wedding, like mm -hmm. maybe, uh, I don't remember how many years ago. Uh, but yeah, he was good friends with him. So I just wanted to mention that I have a little bit of nice. connection there. And also, we have a connection to chocolate. Uh, Chocolate's been on our show. Oh, from, uh, from Larry Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Ted Persher. Those are my and Willie Sparks. Those yeah, are my yeah. filmies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just did a tribute episode, as a matter of fact, to Willie because he passed away last May. Yes, he did. That's you know, right. he was living in the Tenderloin. Yeah, we knew yeah. that. I have his phone number. I was talking to him before he died. Wow. Are you are you kidding? What were you guys talking about? We're Love talking about. That. I was going to pick him up and try to get him cleaned up and get him back into music. Yeah. Did he call you or? You yeah, no, him? I had a friend of mine that knew him and I got his number and we started communicating over the phone. Mm -hmm. And he was in bad shape. Mm -hmm. Right. I was right. trying I was getting ready to save his help try to save his life, man, because wow. he was really blowing it. Yeah. yeah hey, do you remember what they do remember what Larry did to all the equipment, like the drum set? He made all the you know the the stands that hold up the bass drum, mm -hmm. he made them really long to make the drum set look really big. When I sat down behind the drums, the the, the <laughs> tom toms are up here. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, to make you look, you know, because yeah, yeah. back then we wore platform shoes. Right. Okay. So I was five foot ten. And, and when I wore platform shoes, I was six two. Wow! You know, wow. like one time I was playing, I was playing at the, I was playing, in, I was playing in um, in Ben Loman okay. at this country club. Ben Loman, yeah. and I was wearing the My big shoes, the right? Moves. And uh, this girl was picking up on me, man. Hey, baby, what's your name, man? I said Richard Mansell. Well, I'm sitting there talking to her, and she was about six two. Yeah, and we were. Eye to eye. Wow. I said, I'll be right back, man. And I went back and changed my clothes and got out of my boots. And when I came back to her, she looked at me and said, what happened? She looked down at me and said, what the hell happened to you? Where'd you go? I looked at her and I said, I'm right here, man. Where's the guy that was just here with me? It you. Because <laughs> the shoes, right? right, right. Yeah. Four and a half feet, four and a half inch platforms, you know? Wow. 
But that, yeah, uh, that's a beautiful thing that uh, Chocolate, she called us up and asked if we could do a tribute show. So anyway, I just wanted to mention yeah. that connection, man. Well, God bless Willie Sparks. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, love definitely. him. Bad drummer. Yeah. Bad, Graham great, back, man. You know, really I went, what happened was uh, before they called Yoshi's on, on, in the Fillmore, yeah. I went there and Larry was playing. I couldn't believe he was still using the same equipment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what happened was I walked up to the sound man. I was dressed up pretty sharp. I said, hey, man, uh, let me tell you who I am. So I brought up the story. And sure enough, Larry says, get him. Get him over here. You know how I got yeah. his attention? Huh. And he wouldn't listen. I said, hey, man, Jehovah sent me here. And his wife said, <laughs> Jehovah, <laughs> yeah, all that. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> I hit him in the back of the head. You hear he said Jehovah. Okay. Got his attention, man. I know how to get to people, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, Dominic, it's time for our outro music. Okay. We're going to say goodbye to Richard Segovia. We'll, we'll talk to him again. It's I think we're just honor, scratching man. the surface, it's right? An it's an honor, man. All right, man. And it's been great meeting your wife and we've had a great time with you thank you for giving us your time and all your great stories and your energy yeah. and your wonderful singing yeah thank you man you, you know, know funky um, cold moderna all those great songs you're working on i just like to dedicate this day to to mr jorge santana i'd oh, like to dedicate it to him jorge santana yeah. right casa bandita and i miss him i miss him dearly us too and he's amazing us too man Yes. Rest in power, Jorge. It's just the same watch. Let it roll. Ah. Now watch, right here. That's it. Uh, Miss you, we love you. God bless you guys and thank you so much. Bless you. Take care. All right. So it sounds like we're going to be going over to Casa Bandito soon, Jay Stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt I felt bad, man. He was so an animated, Richard. He like kept pulling his like plug out of his like headphones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we had to stop a couple times, y'all. You guys aren't going to hear that because we're going to edit that out. We had a couple times we had to we had to hold the phone because we're pulling out plugs and everything. That chain him down. <laughs> yeah, chain him down. He's animated. We kind of did a whole show before we even started. When they got here, he was talking and telling stories and doing the whole thing. Oh my god, that was so fun. Incredible. Uh, yeah, great to have him on. And uh, sounds like we have some good good things down the pipeline with him in the future. Yeah, so I'm glad we definitely. made that connection. Uh, Jay Stone, I am still excited because we still have good guests coming up in the future. I can't believe what's happening with the show this year. I really yeah. can't believe it. Next, we're going to be talking to Andre Fox, another man from the P-Funk camp on the guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, he joined the uh, Parliament Funkadelics when he was just a teenager, started a band also with uh, Trey Lude, 
you know, George Clinton's yeah. son and stuff like that. A lot of times when I was looking through pictures for Steve Boyd for his episode, I kept seeing uh, Andre Fox in those pictures and okay. stuff like that. Nice. And I've linked up with him. I've been talking to him a little bit. Seems like a cool dude. Mm -hmm. So he's booked and he'll be coming on the show next. So episode 19 will be Andre Fox. Sweet. And that's thanks again to who? JW. JW. Another Andre. cat from P-Funk who's from Detroit. And thank you, JW, for hooking us up again. He believes in the show. Also, thank you to Nat Collins, mm -hmm. his wife, and you, uh, Jay Stone, because after that, we will have, I don't even believe this, Marshall Thompson from the Shy Lights. Yes, sir. Oh, girl. <laughs> you know. Uh, what else? What else? Can't, have you seen her? Have, have you seen her? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't believe that. The man is coming through. Wow, wow. Yes. So we're going to be talking to him soon. And uh, I have his autobiography, so I've been reading that. Uh, we have other things down the pipeline. I don't want to jinx it, Jay Stone, but I'm trying to get, you know, there's some other guests I've been, we've been trying to get on behind the scenes. You know, sometimes there's a little finesse yeah. to get a guest. It's not like you get them on right away. You're talking to them a few months. You try right. to convince them to come on. They start to feel you. They start to know what you're talking about, and then eventually you get them on to do a show. Uh, we're also going to have on, you, you know Alex, Monster. Mm -hmm. uh, he just put out a great new album with his group, Gooch Gang. You remember the Gooch from Different Stroke? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what they're named after. They're called the Gooch Gang. <laughs> the Gooch. Yeah. Two cats, and they got a, they got a fat new record. Um, I was just listening to it. They gave me like the secret Spotify link oh, to man. it, and it sounds great. So we're going to listen to some of that. The Gooch Gang. Yeah. He's going to be on the show as well. Niceness. Um. I was sad to hear just less than a week ago, one of my personal all-time favorite bass players, Paul Jackson, passed mm -hmm. away. Yeah. I didn't know this, but he's been living in Japan since like mid-80s. Yeah, forever. So he was there uh, at age 73. Uh, Paul Jackson, he played with a lot of people, but he's best known, and what, what's my favorite, is playing on all those 70s, those funky Headhunters, Herbie Hancock mm -hmm. albums. So albums like uh, Thrust, yeah, well, I love that. Man Child, Secret, uh -huh. Flood, the live one, and of course the the first one, which is called Headhunters. Yeah, everybody knows the music of Headhunters, and that was the first million selling jazz album. Wow, which had a lot of funk in it, by the yeah, way. I think that had part of the reason why it sold so much. Bay Area. It was recorded, I was just going to say that, a lot of those albums are recorded on Hyde Street, mm -hmm. at Hyde Street Studios. Yeah. Uh, yeah, recorded around, you know, the plant, places like that. Mm -hmm. So that's some serious Bay Area stuff. I love Paul Jackson, and I'm really sorry that he passed away. His death was confirmed by drummer Mike Clark, a legendary drummer who's worked with uh, Paul a lot. Uh, one thing that was really funny uh there's a great autobiography uh, written by uh, Herbie Hancock about his life, and it's called Possibility. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, in the part, it's a very good book, by the way, I, I recommend it. Some books are better than others that are autobiographies. This is a good one. Um, in the book, when he's talking about the Headhunters period, and he's talking about like rehearsing with the band, you know what kind of dude Paul Jackson was? He was one of those dudes that like would always slightly change the riff. Every okay. time you started playing, you know those dudes, those motherfuckers, right. like you playing the song, and maybe he'll be playing like, and you're like, okay, great, let's record that. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, and it's like a little bit different. And you're right. like, well, what are you doing? Right. And he's like, I know this is like a jazz outfit, but I want you to like, <laughs> like stick to something. So he was always like slightly changing the pattern. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. like driving Herbie nuts. 
But um, I love Paul's playing, and I highly recommend you guys listen to any of those albums I just mentioned if you haven't yeah. already. Okay, we're going to get going because we've been doing a lot and we got to run. Uh, I want to thank you again, Jay Stone, for getting that guest, and yeah, thank, thank you, everybody, you. for helping us out today. Um, I wanted to leave with uh, what I've been listening lately in my uh, CD player. And yes, your great-grandfather Ace does have a CD player. <laughs> and I have a cassette player. I don't have an 8-track. I got that taken out. but And um, I got on CD because I had a hard time getting a copy because it would always be like $150 for a CD or $200. Uh, it's Don Silva's solo album, Yeah, uh, All My Funky Friends. That is a very underrated solo album, guys. Especially, I want to say this, especially, remember how Shirley Hayden was complaining because when people talk about all the people in P-Funk family, they kind of diss like the ladies that were in there. Yeah. They don't really bring them up. So especially because of that, because people that are P-Funk heads, I'm talking about Parliament Funkadelic, um, you know, they love the Bernie Worrell, All the Woo in the World mm -hmm. solo album. Uh, uh, Eddie Hazel, Eddie Hazel solo album, you know. There's those classic solo albums that you know to get. Well, All My Funky Friends by Don Silver, I want to say it came out in 2001. It's got that like almost like, uh, I want to say like chronic, maybe doggy style kind of album production, but mm -hmm. with more musicality, like more like Roger Troutman, like the musicianship of keyboards and guitar. Okay. And I just love, this album is a banger. It just has great song after great song. I wasn't even sure which one to play, but I figure I would leave you with... Jay Stone is, this is called Break Me Off. Okay. Break Me Off Some Old School Funk. This is from the album All My Funky Friends from Don Silva. And we're going to check it out. We'll see you guys soon. We'll be back with Andre Fox. Ooh, hear that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw online, by the way, Amuka and Don are no longer like in a feud. Oh, really? That's good to hear. Those are two brides of Frankenstein. Are right, you ready? Here's my part. Ready? All right, man. Have a good ride home. Yes, sir. See you soon. Holla.
Where you going to the shoes on fire?